0: Just waiting for a few more people to come in before I get started.
1: I guess I'll get started. Um, I was kind of waiting for um, the person that is spearheading the VHD uh, dumping to get in, but I think he'll be joining a little later. Very well. Yeah. So, yeah, I I just wanted to bring up a couple. um, Because, like, usually last year I did this, I was in the – Gaming Alexandria Discord, which they're like really big into preservation. Um, With Gaming Alexandria, he focuses, well, they focus on um, scanning. Specifically, um, his big hot topic uh, over the last year or so has been magazines like uh, PC Engine Fan. Um, And he very recently, I think it was a month ago, he completed the PC Engine Fan set. So, Every single PC engine fan magazine has been scanned. And then I think he's doing Famitsu magazine. I think that's Nintendo I think that's Nintendo focused if I'm not mistaken.
2: Not quite. Um, Famitsu is more of like a general gaming magazine. Um, but most of the information that we know about like uh, Nintendo games and things like that, came from uh, Famitsu interviews.
1: So this would be stuff like the unreleased games, etc. Or even like stuff that came out later? Essentially.
2: So Famitsu Magazine um, it's most well known for like Nintendo coverage in fact that's where we got a lot of our developer interviews. In fact um, slight segue but there's also someone going out of their way to preserve and document every last interview that has ever been conducted uh, for various companies. I think currently they're working on Nintendo, so but they're like gathering every quote, every, uh, every quote, and their source. Um, so that's gonna be interesting. But uh, yeah, so uh, things like unreleased games, uh, unused concepts, and things like that. Um, if it's not found in the Giga Leak, which I hear that is still being like pilfered through, like to this day, um, if it's not from that, then it's most likely we're gonna see like some more developer uh, insight come from the preservation of Famitsu magazines. Um, I will say though, with the Famitsu stuff. It's going to be kind of interesting if we get new translations uh, for the Famitsu magazines because, you know, like when it comes to translation work, some of those uh, early translations of like Famitsu uh, interviews might not be accurate or might be based off like a really shoddy translation of what was actually said.
1: Those are like solid gold for information. Um, K2 can even verify. I mean, I know he's not on mic or anything, but he can verify that um, usually those old magazines are the best in interviews specifically. Those are like the best hints in terms of what could have come or how something was developed over time. And that's why well, the magazines are really helpful. Uh, But going going through the effort of categorizing and collecting every single interview it it was so was that project focused on the uh famicom uh
2: it's focused worldwide so every interview every developer interview ever done on every magazine or um uh video or whatnot like it's going through the effort of documenting every last interview ever done for gaming. Um, but currently it's focusing more on Nintendo because, well, that's kind of the bulk of the uh, interests. It's going to be on like Nintendo interviews.
1: That would make sense. I mean, Nintendo was the most widespread and for so long in Japan, they really dominated everything before Sony jumped in. Um, well, I mean, yeah, Sega was there, but it was really, um, and you do correct me if I'm wrong. I think in the, in the eighties, it was late eighties, might I add, it was PC engine and Famicom. So I, I I'm not in that project or I'm not charge of that project by any means, but I would think those are the higher priority things to search for, you know, the older stuff, the older stuff will be the hardest things to find.
2: Certainly. Um, And that's going to be the problem with Famitsu, too. Like, um, people uh, these days know Famitsu magazine as, like, this magazine that contains, like, gold amount of information. But what people, some people don't realize is Famitsu's been around for a long-ass time. So it's going to be really tough for them to get a hold of, like, some of those
1: early, early issues. I'm finding that problem... Uh, from those magazines from the eight, was it late eighties, early nineties? They're really hard to find intact, like scannable, like per, scannable quality. I mean, okay, I know that's a very um, subjective term in terms of scanning. That is very hard to um, care like like scanning standards. Those are they, they, so just just to iterate the the people that have really pioneered the scanning standards for scanning stuff. Um, in Japan specifically is gaming preservation society um, that's literally all you know they're extremely good at scanning stuff then the western standard is gaming alexandria slash hit save like that's definitely the scanning standard in the west um, now in term but yeah um scanning quality can be very ambiguous so I have Downstairs, I have the quote unquote. I wouldn't say I'm not going to use the term archival grade. Um, a scanning standard scanner. I have it downstairs, but the problem with scanning, and no one ever talks about this, by the way. Um, when you're scanning high resolution, which is what you should scan for, um, this scanner can take 15 minutes. Like no, like like if I wanted to scan an FM Towns retail box. So I, you know I you know so just so you know they come in like a giant clamshell, right? So I have to kind of like the Neo Geo cartridge uh, clamshells, it's a little it's quite similar actually. You gotta open, you gotta get the insert out. You gotta flatten it somehow because it's not gonna stay perfect when it gets scanned. And then on top of that, this is another scanning problem actually, is manuals. Now if the manuals are stapled, you can just take the staples out. And you know, try to flatten the, the pages at least a little bit. And then again, but again, back to what I was saying, my scanner takes 15 minutes. It, it, it's between uh, last time I did it, 10 and 15 minutes, and it really sucks. Um, there is another scanner. Gaming Alexandria has this scanner. This scanner's like, I think like two grand. But this is how this is how gaming Alexandria once he once he debinds or takes the staples out of a magazine like the PC Engine fan and the Famitsu magazines, he's able to put those magazine sheets in the scanner, and it like scans it up and like he can scan a whole magazine in like a few minutes, like highest resolution possible, a couple minutes. Versus my flatbed scanners, fifteen minutes. It really sucks.
2: <laughs> yeah, um, I am aware of like, uh, for example, the Internet Archive. Um, believe it or not, but they're, they have physical offices and, um, I've seen videos of this, but they have like this really large angled scanner that they use specifically for books. So what they'll do is that they'll turn each page and then they'll set this machine down that scans both page, uh, pages at the same time. And then they flip to the next page and then, uh, you know, just rinse and repeat, um, I don't know the viability of using something like that for magazine scans, Um, but I would imagine like a, either a similar device or something that is meant for like a single page use is what uh, Alexandria most likely has.
1: So another thing about scanning uh, for those that may not know is you have to calibrate your scanner. Um, so I had to order um, this. This occurred last year, actually. I had to order an IT8 card, color calibration card from Germany. It was really expensive. Actually, it was like thirty or forty U.S. dollars shipped to the U.S. I had to scan it, and I didn't understand how to do the calibrations, so I had to send the scan to Gaming Alexandria, and he gave me a profile, and he's like, "This load your pro." So basically. When you scan something, if you don't have a color calibration profile for the image soft... Oh, dude, this is another problem with scanning. So even if you can scan quickly, you have to do post-processing. Um, <laughs> so depending on the image software you're using, you have to load your color calibration data you know, from your calibrated scanner. And then on top of that, you have to perform post-image processing so the image doesn't look like crap, you know? So it's really frustrating, to say the least, uh, sca- the, the art of scanning anything. And another problem with scanning um, that I want to bring up is if a book is binded. Now, for those that don't know, um, when you get... Okay, let's use a very generic thing, a PlayStation 1 video game, like like a retail game, Right. So we know those are in jewel case. You know, the, you know, first they were long boxes, then most widespread is jewel cases. Um, so the manuals are stapled. That's simple to scan. Not bad. You just take the staples out. You know, you can do flatbed, which takes you know much longer, or you can get the two thousand dollars scanner. Um, the problem with binded is that there's glue on the spine, and that's the problem. Is that you have to do what is called debinding the book, which basically means you destroy it. So if you wanted to scan something that is extraordinarily valuable, you're going to destroy the book. I mean, you're gonna pull the pages out one at a time. You're basically destroying the book. Um, I've got I, like a good example is I have a piece of software downstairs. I paid $700 dollars for on Yahoo Japan two years ago. A piece of FM Town software, and it has a bind has three binded books in the clamshell. So I'd have to destroy the books. To scan the whole thing.
2: Actually, that's what that uh, that larger scanner I was talking about is for. Um, it's for uh, it's multi-purpose, but part of its purpose is to scan like binded books. It's so that way you can scan the book without having to destroy the binding. But obviously, a machine of that size and of that caliber. It's going to be more than just a couple grand.
1: Yeah, and then, um, so when you're scanning, you also have to wipe the glass every time. Um, I mean, that goes without saying, you know, you want to remove all the dust and stuff. Um, So what GPS does, Gaming Preservation Society, um, they really go all the way, dude. Like, they'll they'll get whatever needs to be flattened, and they will flatten it between two copper plates for, like, 24 hours, then they will scan it. So, however, in the West, the West doesn't really have an organized, formally organized preservation group or society. I mean, you have like, you know, small groups like Hit Save. You have Gaming Alexandria. Uh, you have ga- was it Game Preservation. Dot org or whatever they're called. Um, I'm personally Video unaware of what- Yeah, 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 I- I'm personally not in contact with them probably because the stuff I work on doesn't really coincide with what they focus on because I'm focused mostly on um, Korean releases for 3do Saturn. Well, okay. I'll just say it's mostly town stuff, but also Korean releases for 3do Saturn mega CD, um, and Korean PSP release. I'm not focused on PSP that much anymore, though. Um, but the Korean releases and t- FM Towns is what I'm focused on.
2: Why specifically Korean?
1: So, culture, gaming culture in Korea is very interesting. Uh, I lived there for about two years. Uh, I'm obviously not Korean, but I lived there for two years. Uh, The interesting thing about Korea is they don't really care about preservation um, at all. Um, They're all about downloading free games, and really the the focus in that country is online games um, or emulation. They don't really care about physical releases very much. Um, So if there are... Korean game collectors, if they have, for example, Samsung Saturn release games, which I have a couple downstairs, um, and they they were very difficult. I cannot emphasize how hard they are to get outside of Korea, um, because mostly the Korean game collectors they know that Korean releases are rare. They already know this. They're they're not sell- You know, they're not ignorant to the fact, and. They're very hesitant, and I guess rightfully so. I do not blame them. I guess it's a cultural thing. They're hesitant on their stuff leaving Korea, a little similar to how a lot of Japanese people think. But Korea's like really so in Korea. The the place to buy and sell used games is they do have a social networking service called Naver. But the problem in Korea is that you have to have a, this is no joke, you have to have a Korean phone number and a Korean social security number to be allowed to make a social media account. So even to join Naver buying and selling groups that have to do with gaming, or even to put a want-to-buy post in one of those groups, you have to literally be in Korea. Like there's no, you you can't get around this. Like this is how it is. So it is extremely, so the only Korean releases you're going to find are the, probably on eBay and they're going to be by one seller that is scalping the shit out of them. Like hard, 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 hardcore scalping. So the Korean releases are really hard to get and as a result, a lot of Korean releases for a specific CD-ROM preservation group are not dumped at all, even even scene releases way back when they don't have them. I, I know that was like a lot to unpack, but that's that's why um, there. I I personally have a focus on Korean um, releases if I can even get a hold of them. They're really hard to get. There was a gentleman very recently, and as of recently, I mean one day ago, uh, that did get a undumped Korean three D O game. It was. Uh, oh shit! I can't even pronounce it. Um, I know Victor. I know Victor's in the chat. Vic- Victor. Well, he's not on mic, but oh, Victor, if you want, if you want to speak privilege, just uh, let me know. But um, there was a gentleman that ju- that just got on. Is Goldie? I-, I I can't even pronounce the full name. I'd have to look at the spelling. But um, it was a 3DO um, exclusive, Korea exclusive game. It was really like a children's education game. Uh, but it was a retail release for 3DO, and a guy just got the disc.
2: I mean, I guess that makes sense. Um, it actually kind of rem- reminds me of uh, what's the Adam Koralik? Um I this could be a case of like Mandela effect or some shit, but. I remember he was talking about a specific Xbox game, original Xbox game that he got that he could not find any information uh, about. And the only info that was that he could scrape up was that it was either Korean or uh, Thai, uh, Thailand exclusive. And for the most part, he only found the one copy that uh, that had surfaced i mean there were other copies that surfaced but they rarely pop up like at all and when they do pop up they usually uh, command a premium price as a result so i wouldn't be surprised if uh, there were other consoles uh that had you know that uh, that level of non-preservation Uh, about them, especially from countries that don't often get focused on, like Korea or um, Malaysia, even. Um, Heck, there's actually, like, a lot that we're uncovering. Uh, There's a lot that's still being uncovered from, like, a lot of the lesser-talked-about Asian countries in terms of uh, gaming and culture was, like... Uh, like, for them. Um, like, recently, I... Uh, this one's personal, but recently I learned about the Super A Can, which I th- think is, was a console... Uh, I'm, I'm going off uh, the top of my head. I could easily Google this, but if I remember correctly, this console was, like, only released in... Uh, it was... Re- either released only in Taiwan or only in China. It only had, like, a few games uh, to its name, but it was interesting. It's, like, some weird hybrid of a Sega Mega Drive and a Super Famicom in terms of, like, the way it looks, the way it runs, and um, if you put the cartridge in backwards, it sets the console on fire. Not literally, but it will short out. Um, And I've seen... People like pop up every now and then with this console. I'm like, wow, I want to have it. But then I look into the prices of it. I'm like, ooh, that's that's $700 for a console. I don't even know what the fuck about.
1: Yeah, the Super A can. I think that was a yeah, that was a Taiwan exclusive. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Furtech is actually reverse engineering um, the ASICs and processors um, in that chip right now, or in those uh, that console right now
2: well the thing is though that's the only thing that needs to be reverse engineered on the super a can because the rest of it's made entirely out of off-the-shelf parts it runs off as a z80 it runs off a motorola 68000 um like i said it's basically like a weird hybrid of the mega drive and the super famicom
1: yeah that's that's what i interpreted as well but yeah uh vertex working on that um but um the the other topic and, and I'm really upset the gentleman that um that really the SMEs could not pop in. Um that the MSX VHD situation is finally uh and actually um Rock Lee was the first person to tell me about uh the I think it was last year he told me. Uh and, and that's when I, when he told me about it, I'm like, oh man, we're gonna these games are gonna be lost of time forever. Like they're never gonna be dumped, they're never gonna be preserved. No one's going to understand them. It's just going to be something in literal history books. Uh, but the MSX um, computer, they had interfaces to interface with a VHD player. And for the people that don't know what a VHD player is, a VHD player is an analog format, just like Laserdiscs. So already it's like, you know, hard mode level preservation because it's fucking analog. Like, you know, floppy disks, laser disks, whatever. On top of that, the problem with the the VHD disks is that the VHD disks degrade. So when you put the disk in the VHD player, and, like, let's say it's just a movie. Not even a game, just a movie. This is just the format, right? You put the disk in the player, you press play, you watch it on your TV, and after, I think the disks are rated for 1,000 plays or something like that. Like, But basically, it's a vinyl. It degrades. So it is literal like god tier level difficulty of preservation. And there is a gen- there is a gentleman that is actually um, going to start getting involved with vHD preservation. Um, and in the the framework as of right now is to use the Domesday duplicator, uh, which is perfect. that's it's a perfect device to use actually, and hook it up to a vHD player. And play the run the game from start to finish. Uh, well, not really run the game, but really just play the disc from start to finish to record everything that's on there. So, the, the Domesday Duplicator, I believe, is capable of sampling um, 20 million samples a second. So, at that time, because it can sample 20 million times a second, it's pretty much scanning the optical surface. Of whatever it's attached to, whatever uh, radio frequency it's attached to. So for laser discs, in that case, it's it's scanning the pits and the lands of the disc, right? Um, and and I'll bring up laser discs a little bit later. Uh, and and again, I wish the SME was here, but there, there's a lot. To, to summarize, there's a lot of good stuff happening with laser discs though But uh, yeah, the, the VHD stuff, uh, we're getting the ball rolling. Uh, the only there's only one downside is that. There's an interface card that is required for, the, for a very specific type of MSX computer to interact with a very specific type of VHD player. Now, what it turns into is you need three parts to ultimately play an MSX VHD game. And there are, I believe, uh, Rock Lee can probably correct me, there's approximately three exclusive games on the VHD For I I believe it's three specifically that are exclusive that have never been ported to anything else. And the rest have been ported to other systems, but of course, like everything, there's going to be very specific things and quirks involved with the game being released on that version, right? Um, But we're just waiting for a guy to, um, or gentleman to... Basically, get an EEPROM, as silly as this sounds. Sent- this is literally relying on an EPROM at this point. No joke. Uh, literally, get a cartridge, dump the EPROM of this cartridge, and put it on a recreated interface board and run it.
2: That's going to be rather difficult, given the fact that just the format alone is rather obscure. Yep. Um, I will say, though, it'll probably be easier to... Pre- preserve a VHD then it would be uh, old uh, old film stock um, I've s- handled old film stock before and let me tell you if you even so much as fidget the wrong way that whole shit uh, the whole thing will just engulf in flames so yeah that's not fun and to make matters worse I learned that s- there were some video games that were programmed with VHS technology. So yeah, that's also not
1: fun. Um, If I'm not mistaken, there is someone in the Domesday Discord that has actually successfully hooked up a Domesday duplicator to a VHS player. Um, So, which is which? I'm I'm circling into the laserdisc laserdisc discussion now. Um, In terms of the laserdisc, what is uh, Rockley, please correct me. Um, you've been paying attention. to This like way more than me. Um, last year they did get Pyramid Patrol, uh, totally dumped, one hundred percent dumped, zero dropouts. They they read a disc that had absolutely zero dropouts whatsoever. So what that means is, in summary, they have a good dump. That is what that means. Now there are other games. Like I've I've even seen a decoded header. Um, so what's interesting about laserdisc dumping? Is that when you dump a laser disk, it takes a very long time. <laughs> um, it's not like putting a CD in a computer and waiting 10 minutes. It takes many hours, actually. Um, I think it could even take like a day sometimes. It depends on what the disk is, it can take a long ass time. Uh, the files are huge. Like an undecoded side one of a laser disk, I believe, is 80 gigabytes. But um, yeah. What is it? Triad Stone. Yeah, thanks, Lee. Uh, Triad Stone, Pyramid Patrol, I Will, and Virtual Virtual Cameraman are what are currently dumped totally for LaserDisc. But the other games are still not dumped. And you know, there's a there's a bunch of games still remaining for LaserDisc. And the problem is that a lot of collectors don't want to like loan them to get dumped. Um, I guess I get I mean okay so I mean if you have like do you want know time uh, Fenris, do you know what time gal is by chance
2: yes it is uh, it was ported to Sega CD and I want to say it was also on PC engine CD um, but it's effect- it's effectively just one of those uh, interactive movie games where you think like road Avenger or uh, dragon's lair or things like that, where
0: you press certain directions
2: and you either fail miserably or you succeed.
1: Correct. Um, and the issue is time gal is very expensive. Um, it is multiple thousands of dollars, by the way. Um, if you didn't, I, I, I think I, at least 2000 us dollars, uh, for Time Gal, if you can if you can find it for sale, it's at least two thousand dollars. Um, so the the question comes into shipping, and we already know we already know if you are an international collector and you want to send it to a U.S. dumper, right? Like a guy in the U.S. like uh, his name's Tanks. He's on Twitter. He's a good dude. Thought he'd be here. He's probably busy though. Uh, Tanks. He's been dumping laser discs uh, for a while he dumps la- he dumps laser active games for free uh, anything else I think he charges but laser active discs he'll charge he'll do it for free um, there's a lot of hesitation moving a two thousand dollar laser disc in the mail and rightfully so because we know the mail sucks I mean <laughs> um, it's not so good um, but it, but at least the at least with um, the laser disc dumping the the way it works is once they dump it once they dump the laser disc and it's uh it's what's called um it's not scrambled it's basically not decoded if that makes sense so the file is approximately i think 80 to 90 gigabyte it's a very like i think i can't remember if that's one side or both sides of one disc but the file is fucking huge and you have to run software to decode it and the software for the decoding portion can take at least one day
2: I can think of another difficulty that might come from it, and don't cringe when I say this, but it's going to be similar—a similar problem to getting a uh, to. Uh, it's going to be the same problem that Toei has when it comes to releasing Dragon Ball Z in like any new format. But if you don't have access, uh, getting not just a proper rip of uh, of the uh, laser disc or whatnot frame by frame, but also making sure that it is uh, completely accurate to the source. That's going to be incredibly tricky, especially if you do not have access to the original animation cells, which will actually show you exactly what the colors are meant to be.
1: Well, what's interesting is laser disc, uh, all the videos encoded in composite. So it just uses a composite color palette. um, I'm not sure about any like, like, like if you want to think about, uh, what is that called? Uh, like VHS tapes. I don't know if that's, I don't know if that video is encoded in composite. It probably, if I had to guess, it probably is. Um, it is. I, I mean, I, I figured that was like the only thing they could really, I mean, you can't encode it in RF. That wouldn't make any sense. Um, that's a frequency, not really a video thing, but, um, so that's what's going on with the laserdisc. So they've got about four dropless, drop like four captures that are basically good, but they still have a ton to go. they still have a ton to go. And last, as of last year, um, the main guy there's two main guys that were really, really, really working hardcore on getting Mame to work with laserdisc dumps. Um, but the problem is the laserdisc dumps are not being um, shared. <laughs> <laughs> so the four things that Are known to be good. That are known to be good recordings and decodings. Those LD files are not being shared publicly.
2: Well, of course, collectors aren't afraid of getting their shit dumped. They just don't want it uh, distributed because they feel that uh, they, uh, from what I've gathered with collectors, they understand the importance of dumping your shit. They don't want their shit to get uh, lost in time either. The thing is, though, if they have the only item that is considered valuable, they would rather hold on to that dump for themselves because they don't want anyone else touching it. They don't want anyone else messing with it. Otherwise, they feel that their physical item, which is going to be worthless, is going to be... Uh, is going to be worthless sooner. And even when it does become worthless sooner, in their minds, are like, I have the digital, the only copy of the file, so therefore um, it never loses its value because I have the only, uh, the only copy of the file forever. And if I wanted to, I can just delete it and it's gone forever, so no one can have it. It's like this really cynical, very fucked up I have all the control, I have all the power because unfortunately I don't have any power in my own life because I'm a pathetic piece of shit. Um but you know, that's just kind of the reality of it. There there are pe- that that's not to say that none of these files exist. It's just good luck trying to find someone who's willing to let go of the damn file.
1: There's actually a um there's a group on Facebook called High End Game Room. This is just, I'm kind of getting off, a little bit off topic here, but there's a group called High End Game Room on Facebook. And that is the That Those are the guys that trade, uh, it's like the same, okay, there's like 5,000 people in the group, but it's the same 50 to 100 fucking people. It's just those guys. Everyone else is just there. And they're the guys that trade graded games to each other. It's kind of annoying, Uh, but what frustrates me is when I spot, and and I guess prototypes don't, they're not as important for preservation, Um, and I know I'm going to get a lot of flack for that, for just stating that. I know I am, (sighs) because it's not a retail game, but there's a lot of guys there that will get a undumped prototype graded, and then sell it or trade it, and they'll never share the dump, and the shit will just sit in a case. So it's like getting a Super Nintendo cartridge prototype stuck in a fucking case. And it's just going to stay there for 20, 30 years until the fucking memory cells start losing bits. And then the game doesn't work anymore. It's, really, it's exceptionally frustrating, to be honest. Uh, but but so it's a little similar to the whole, like, you know, there's a kid on the playground. And he's playing with this toy. And he's showing it to everyone. And he's shoving it in your fucking face, Literally. Literally shoving the toy in your face, annoying you, saying, this is my toy. And then the moment you ask to play with it, they get they get really nasty, and they're like, no. And then they don't let you play with it. That's basically that group. That's basically it.
2: <laughs> Which is funny, because I didn't grow up with those kinds of kids. You know, you know what happened to the kids that showed off their toys in front of people?
0: What?
2: When I was growing up, if you were the kind of person to shove your... Uh, shove your toys in other kids faces one of those kids is going to grab it snap it in front of you and then step on it
1: oh well i mean a lot
2: of the kids uh, i grew up with do not tolerate that kind of shit
1: (laughs) yeah i'm just saying the analogy generally stands Um, so that's that's what's going on there and then um oh that i'm going to talk about the fm town situation um so with FM Town's computer, there are now less than 50 retail game. I'm sorry, let me hold on. <laughs> I don't want to misquote myself. There are less than 50 retail CD-ROMs remaining that are games that have not been dumped. Um, there is still approximately... Um, the, the last estimate I ran was about 40% of the software library has not been dumped. But in terms of actual games... It's less than fifty CD ROMs and then a couple floppy only games. By a couple, I mean between ten and twenty floppy only games remaining. So it's funny fun. because when you when you look at like the Sharp X sixty eight thousand, you want to go look at like game sets to download. Oh look, there's the Neo Kobe set. There's another set, there's the Tosec set. There is like Three other sets of the, for the Sharps X68. There's stuff on private torrent trackers. You know, there, there, There's all these sets for that. But we, when you look at FM Towns, it's like you have one incomplete set with bad dumps. And then you have the other group that is doing CD-ROM-based preservation, and those dumps are good. And it's still not complete.
2: To be fair, the X sixty eight thousand
1: was a lot more popular, and the reason for that, and I, and um, just a pause on the preservation focus, is the reason for that is because when Sharp released these computers, uh, Sharp did it very smart, and they pushed the SDK, they pushed the software development kits at the very inception of the computer hitting the market. They pushed those software development kits. They pushed them very hard, and I think they made them free. I might be mistaken on that remark, but I think they made them even free. And by free, I mean you literally write a letter to Sharp, and then in two weeks you get floppy disks and manuals at your house. I think, or it would be like ultra cheap. Now, when you look at FM Towns, or, okay, let's look at the other computer. PC98. PC98 Neck did the precise same thing. They made the software development kits. They made the assemblers and the C compi- was mostly assemblers at that time. They made the assemblers super fucking easy to use. They documented them very well. They they pushed them very hardcore at inception. Now, when Fujitsu released the FM Towns computer, they did not do that. As a matter of fact, um, the C compiler for FM FM Towns was released in 1989. The C SDK was released in 1992. So that's a three-year lag. So you have a three-year lag ahead of that. And then I believe they released one more C compiler for FM Towns, and then they released a C++ compiler, which is still not dumped, by the way, in 1995. They stopped producing FM Towns in 1997, or 1996 is when they stopped physically making the hardware. So for lack of better words, um, Fujitsu really fucked up. And because Fujitsu, I'm sorry for swearing so much, but like Fujitsu really messed up. And because Fujitsu messed up, I think that's why it's not as popular or never was as popular. And also the SDKs were extremely expensive. So if you look at Sharp and the NIC uh, assemblers and compilers, C compilers, they were really cheap compared to um, Fujitsu's. As a matter of fact, Captain Yee's, or um, Dr. Yamakawa at CMU, who's um, he's an FM Town software developer right now. Um, he's in his late 50s. He's a nice man. Um, he's released a lot of software for free. Um, he told me back in the 90s, he wrote a letter to Fujitsu saying he cannot afford the C compiler, and Fujitsu sent him a C compiler for free. Kind of funny. But yeah, um, right I have on. about. I, oh, sorry. Go ahead, man. How's that? Say a
2: couple things. One, you don't need to fucking worry about uh, swearing all the fucking time. Like fuck, man. Sorry. You know how <laughs> uh, how many times I, uh, times I say all kind kinds of fucking curse words in this fucking uh, <laughs> call. Like I swear to I swear to fucking God, the word fuck is uh, probably more associated with my vocabulary in any of your live fucking events and and any other fucking word in my v- vocabulary. I wouldn't be surprised if someone is keeping a fuck count on me at this point but <laughs> anyways um, I will say that uh, I, I, I think the FM Towns Marty is probably more well preserved than the FM Towns proper not by much but uh, well, there,
1: seems- there, there isn't a difference between the two oh okay let me back up there is a difference. The difference is that the Marty only has two megabytes of RAM. It has one floppy drive. And it has a sixteen bit data bus while the town's computer had a twenty four bit address address bus, I believe. So the three eighty six CPU inside of the FM Town's Marty is slower, is what I'm trying to say. Um The software, like you can put software that works on a Marty inside of a town's computer and it works.
2: Well, the thing is though, um, Fujitsu basically just pulled a, an Amstrad and just consolized the FM town's computer. That's what the Marty is. It's a consolized uh, FM town's, but uh,
0: what's
2: actually something interesting to bring up about the preservation side um, ODEs, the viability of an ODE is going to be uh, – the viability and compatibility of, of an ODE is going to be strongly dependent on how well it plays the entire library of games. Correct. That's going to be really difficult if the entire library is either consistent of bad dumps or is incomplete. So something like the FM Towns ODEs, we can't be 100% sure if they are p- pitch perfect if we don't have every game to use as a reference to make
1: sure that is 100% correct. When Dune on was working on doc Brown, he actually ran into the, um, he did run into a peculiar problem. Um, now now what towns is interesting. Now, um, I'm going to, I'm going to go on an electrical tangent for a bit, but CD ROMs, they have controllers and they have controllers on motherboards that send, um, they send packet requests and stuff. Uh, I, I'm using, I'm abstracting here, but, like, they send a packet request to look on the specific locations of CDs or send commands, right? Um, Dunon did find, um, and this has to do with, like, games being different, right? Um, Dunon did find that the Psygnosis games made by the Psygnosis, uh they, they made a lot of games for the Amiga uh, in the early 90s. Uh, the Psygnosis games used very, very specific commands Directly addressing the CD-ROM drive, very directly addressing it, and he actually had a problem for a while. He couldn't figure out why they weren't loading. Um, like he was able to get like all the like all the Ving arcade. So there were arcade games ported to Marty, as you know, or the town's computer in general. Um, and it was most of the arcade ports were done by a company called Ving, and Ving ported like a like one one of the big games that stand out is Juno. Uh, Tatsujino was only ported. It was you know, like it was an arcade board. It, by the way, it's a hard game. <laughs> it's a good shmup. But uh, it was it came out on arcade, and then it was ported over to the FM Towns, and that was it. So that is a Towns exclusive game, and that's why it's nine hundred dollars when you find it for sale. Um, and actually, another frustrating thing. Speaking of preservation, um, the real good thing about scans is you can tell uh when something is a fucking repro or not. So I think last year, maybe maybe you guys might remember, there was a game that was graded by a grading company. And the and I, I brought up to I brought up that like this German forum, they were saying, I mean this is all in German, but you know German to English translation, you know, those tools are great. They were saying on the forum that that game that it was graded was a repro. Right. So if you have good scans to reference, you can be like that game that this like $500 plus game or whatever is a fricking repro. And, you know, I shared that tweet and I said, look, this is a repro and they graded a repro. And then that place, uh, that gaming company, like the company decertified it and stuff. I, I remember that. I think that was last year when that occurred. It was a big deal. I mean, it's
2: not the first time that something like that has occurred. Um, I remember there was this whole stink on eBay. And it was a full-on pissing match between the seller on eBay and the Atari age forms when they were selling fake Air Raid cartridges. And they had used <laughs> they had used the scans... That, um, the I think the founder of Atari Age, it the box scans that were used for the fake box were his scans, and the reason why they were able to tell is because it had it still had all the crease marks that came from that scan.
1: I think I heard about. It. I think this is a story like one or two years ago. I think I recall this one. Um, it was a while ago. But yeah.
2: I was just like, you're putting in the effort to print a fake box, put together a fake cartridge. Wouldn't you have gone the extra mile to touch up the box scans to try to make it more convincing instead of using a scan of a promo box?
1: So I have nothing. Just um, I have nothing wrong with reproductions if they're very clearly, and I mean very clearly marked. Um, there is a company in Brazil. This is not PC Engine Works. This is a different company in Brazil. Uh, they were pushing out reproductions of what was it Flying Tiger, um, or Flying Shark, or whatever. Um, it was one of those shmups for. You know, know, it was an FM Towns game. It's a $600 game when it appears on eBay or Yahoo. Um, The only way you could tell if this game was a repro is... And, and like, the the guy in the Towns group, he... Like, I I called him out, and I said, this is bullshit because there are collectors in this group, for example, um, that own this game, and now they're really upset because there's no way to tell the difference between a repro and their $600 fucking game. You know, and it so you know, you could try to sell a repro for $300 and it turns out, oh, it's a freaking repro, and the guy gets screwed over. Um, this is why I like scans a lot because you can tell the differences. Um, just like you said, the guy, the crease, the crease marks that were left over uh, from the master scan. Um, but yeah, it the, the, the turns out that this guy, in spe- uh, particularly. There was like on the c d ROM itself there was a mark, and then somewhere on the back there was a very very small mark, like you couldn't even tell like it was you had to literally be trained to find a fake like it was really annoying um and this is not this is not um this was like a small Brazilian company that was doing this, uh, and it's really annoying um
2: yeah, I actually own a I actually own two PCE works, uh, reproduction boxes mainly because like I, these were, uh, these were local. And the thing is with me is like, I actually like collecting like bootlegs and repros and things like that. Um, so I was willing to, you know, throw down the money. One of them that I got was a, uh, PC Engine Memories Quintessential Works. It's Space Fantasy Zone, Ginga Densetsu Sapphire, and Rockman. Um, so, first of all, you can tell already uh, right off the bat, one of them can't be passed off as legitimate. <laughs> for obvious reasons. But the other two, on the other hand, it's actually kind of scary. So, I think Space Fantasy Zone was unreleased. No, it was unreleased in English. Um, But Space Fantasy Zone and Sapphire especially, like, I've held a real Sapphire, and this, if you didn't know better, this could trick someone, and that's terrifying.
1: I know that PC Engine Works, uh, another thing they're doing, and I I don't like this shit very much, but PC Engine Works, they're also making, um, I have definitely known that PC Engine Works is making reproductions of prototype disks, which is really fucking annoying, and they're also making reproductions of prize disks. So for anyone that's listening to this recording uh, much later on, PC Engine um, in Japan back in the 90, or very late 80s, early 90s, um, they did have CD-ROMs that were prize discs. I don't know the circumstances of how those discs were awarded, whether the discs were in some type of magazine contest, or where you had to enter some type of game competition. I don't know the circumstances of those, but I do 100% know there are multiple prize discs that only have 20 pressed copies that exist, which is verified through several magazines. Um and PC Engine Works, they will reproduce prize discs, uh, the ones that they can, They have gotten a hold of so far. Again, you, you get into the notion of, well, at least the you know files are available and the game can be played, right? But then, again, you get around the corner of, well, how do you tell an authentic one that's for sale on Yahoo for $6,000 versus one that is, you know, PC Engine Works, I think PC Engine Works, they actually will put their logo very visibly on all CD on the CD itself. I don't know about cases. I know on the CD itself, I think they like to put their logo on stuff. So you can't you can't really get screwed over in that way. So you're not gonna go buy a four thousand dollar PC four or six thousand dollar PC engine prize disc and get screwed. I mean correct me if I'm wrong.
2: I am literally holding this copy of Sapphire in my hands right now. I don't see their logo anywhere
1: on this thing. That's actually awful. But but I mean, but you know, it's a repro. I mean, at least you know. But it's again, it's really frustrating. Where okay, let's say in perfect world, there were readily available scans performed at like a game archive, um, maybe not even GPS, maybe Gaming Alexandria of some PC Engine prize discs. Right. Again, discs that are limited to twenty physical pressed copies. And then one appears on Yahoo with a shitty image resolution picture. Cause it, it, you already know on Yahoo auctions, Japan, they take a lot of times they take pictures with potato cameras. You already know it's true and you can't even tell if the disc is like, Oh, is this real or not? Right. Yeah. Oh, so back on the tent situation, um, we had a MAME guy working with us for a while. Um, he's currently inactive, unfortunately, so he, he can't really run the towns. We can't really. So he, what he was doing for the whole this whole time it was really helpful actually. Was he was getting all the dumps that were gathered for towns games, and he was running them through MAME, which is really which is actually a very good thing because it helps improve the MAME emulator. So if there's a game that doesn't load for whatever reason. That can be further investigated in the emulator. Um, so I think I have about 250 floppy disks that I've dumped for FM Towns computer. Um, but he's a, he's been inactive for about six months, so I might have to contact him again or ask the Mame gods or whoever it would be to you know send me someone to you know run the games in an emulator. So most of the games that we get for towns, uh, not even games, just even like retail, um, like even productivity software that I'm able to gather and dump. Um, we usually run it through an emulator once or twice before adding it to the database. If that makes sense. Yeah. Cause we don't, we don't want to, we don't really want to. And another thing um, I don't want to use the database's particular name um, publicly, but it's a CD-ROM based database. That's, pretty obvious who it is, um, which is the best ring code database in the world, by the way. Oh, I see the speak. Got, okay. Um, But yeah, um, yeah, like I was saying, the best ring code database in the world is that that particular database. Um, We do like to, again, we we usually run, um, the guy that usually does it, he'll run it through uh, what is that emulator? He runs it through either X XE or Unz, and I don't like those emulators. I run it through Suguru because Suguru is an active development. So if if I have a problem with a game in Suguru, I would tell the I would tell the developer directly, and he'll fix. He will always fix it. So. I know, I've always found him fixing it. Every, every time we've ever... And Rockley will tell you, every time we ran into a problem, he would fix it. I know we had a problem with um, Para Para Paradise. Um, it was not running in Suguru because that game was hard-coded. Again, this is why dumps are important. Just like you said, for uh, any CD-ROM emulators, if the game library is not dumped, you can't say it works all the way. Like, you can't. So... If, if it's not, if the CD, if the whole library is not there, you can't say, oh, everything worked. No, you can't say that.
2: Indeed. Um, there's actually something hilarious that I noticed about the uh, the Rockman PC Engine release. couple things. One, it says here it needs the Super CD ROM 2 to work. And two... I'm looking at this thing and it says copyright 1993 NEC Avenue licensed by Capcom. My brother in Christ Rockman never came out on the PC Engine. <laughs> Why are they...
0: Yeah, <laughs> That's pretty, pretty funny. funny.
2: <laughs> Why are they going out of their way to make this look like a legitimate product? Like I, I get the that's the point. It's supposed to be, make it look authentic, but that is,
0: that the, is
1: dark
0: the dark side. Off off
1: echoing. Off it's echoing, huh? echoing in the chat. There, yeah, it was echoing back and forth in the chat. Sorry. Um, this is the problem. This is kind of the dark side with uh when you scan. CD-ROMs with, you know, high-resolution scanners and you scan, um, you know, inserts and stuff like that is that bad actors, like, we've mentioned it already, but bad actors can just make, you know, a counterfeit, try to pass off as real. Uh, And again, I don't have issues with reproductions, but they need to be, like, stupidly labeled that this is a reproduction Um, I've got no, you know, otherwise there's no issue with reproductions. I already mentioned that. Um, and I think, yeah, you've already said like, uh, coffee is sapphire. Doesn't even, there's nothing indicating that it's real or not, or, you know, it's a reproduction. Um, the CD-ROM database that I was referring to, um, that I will not mention by name. Um, it's pretty obvious who it is though. Um, the one particular thing that I've had an issue with, and I've made this very vocal is they're not preserving, uh, there's a particular set of things that they're not preserving, which is the CD-ROM subchannel data. Um, I've always gotten very mad that they're not doing that because there were some games for the Wonder Mega. Uh, I think they were like more sampler discs, but they have they have some CD tracks in them, um, and those use the CD-ROM subchannels um, R through W. And if those are not if those are not those aren't in the database or preserved, and it's like what the hell are you doing? Uh, for very specifically the CDG disks, it's really pissing me off. Uh, otherwise, they're doing pretty good with everything else, though. Because if you wanted, to, if run, you wanted- to run those, uh, again, like I think it's um, some Wonder Mega disks. Um, if I really need to pull them, if I really need to find the names, I can go find the names. But if I, if I recall what the database said about this particular sets of different disks, it was... Um, it even said in the remarks, which is very important to have remarks, um, for all, for all the FM towns dumps, I always put the system requirements in the remarks. So when someone else, uh, downloads the game later or wants to do research on the game, they could see that, oh, this game requires a hard drive or this game won't work on my Marty because it needs two floppy drives at the same time, you know, stuff like that in um, the remarks it said that tracks it said like a couple tracks for C D G and it's like, Well, why are you guys using the bin Q format? Because you're losing you know, these tracks you're not lose. you're not maintain retaining the C D G tracks because C D G information cannot go into Bin Q files.
2: Yeah, um, I think, and I think this is also partially why, like, we have issues with preservation. There are people who are afraid of others who are going to take advantage of the goodwill of preservation in order to try to turn a quick buck. Um, Like...
0: I think you fell off. Let me invite you back.
1: God's name is going on. Yeah, I don't know what happened. I gave you speaker privileges again.
2: Yeah, for some reason, like this happened twice, but I got kicked out and then it repeated like the last five seconds of the co- of the uh, the call. So I basically get kicked out, and I'm basically played back what I just said. I'm like, "What is happening?"
1: Oh, Victor, I think you wanted to say something about the town situation.
3: Well, who here? Just a moment here, five AM. So yeah, I would like to just jump in and say that uh, what happened with some games is that they do require that they are uh, have to be like perfectly emulated, even from the hardware side, which Sugar, sugar does, and that is the FPU. I think you were you are aware of that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I remember um, in the old BBS. I know this is, like, super old. Um, if you look at the old BBS for the UNS emulator, there were five games that Casanova-san, who was the developer for UNS, he very specifically mentioned five games perform an FPU check. And if the floating point unit is not installed in the computer, it will refuse to run, uh, which is really silly. Uh, but there were five games coded like that. Power, Power Paradise is one. There were four other games. Uh, but unfortunately, the UNS BBS is gone. Um, the, I can't recall what happened. I think the domain expired and that's another problem with preservation for these Japanese retro computers is that they're often the best sort, even for like 68 K and stuff, the best sources of information regarding games, the best sources of information regarding the computers and documentation about how they work. The best sources are on old Japanese websites that at least Westerners probably don't know how to find or navigate to. You know, if I were to figure out how the FM
2: Towns hardware works, I could totally make like a bullshit uh, prototype game that looks as authentic to the era as possible, and I could totally gaslight people into believing
1: that it was real. <laughs> um, It actually... Uh, just a side note, it's not that, di- the only thing that's difficult about developing for it is that there aren't a lot of software libraries that are provided. Um, so, there, I mean, there's like C compiler and there's one assembler floppy that has been dumped so you can actually make software for it because uh, you need the compiler and then you need an assembler. Um, the interesting thing is that even the C compiler has like bullshit example code that's really poor and doesn't really explain how it works. And then when you look at uh, I think there's a few other libraries on some Linux CD that has some C has some C library code. And then there's um, a PARA disk two. This is this is all the research that like me and a few other Japanese people have done. Uh, Japanese people I interact with, um, they've said there's some C libraries on the Apari CD. I have it upstairs somewhere. My 500 billion access CDs. Um, but otherwise, developing for it, you just got to. You really have to just think of it as a 386 computer. Except if you access the interrupts, you're going to crash the whole computer. Um, it, it, which is very, that concept itself is very different than normal. You'll crack the entire computer and you got to restart it. Restarted. So your code can be written to access a lot. Versus 68K is not like that at all.
2: Yeah. Um, Making that comment, I was mainly thinking about like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if I did a port of Doom for the FM Towns and then convinced people that it was an unreleased build?
1: Um, there's actually a guy that ported Doom two years ago. Damn it! Someone beat me to the punch. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the the thing is, the guy, um, what he did was he ported the open source version of Doom. He actually documented in his uh, blog in Japanese. Um, I personally don't get along with this developer. I've talked to them a few times. I'm, I'm just going to very politely say I just do not get along with him. Uh, but I will say he is a very good FM Towns developer. I'm not going to debate that. He's excellent. Um, the only problem with the open source version of Doom is that the sound libraries were not open sourced. I think they were, those were copyrighted actually. So, but you can run Doom. On an FM Towns computer, you can run Doom 2, Doom 3. Like, the whole Doom engine was ported. So you can run Doom, you just don't have sound. You have sound effects, but no sound. Well, the
2: thing is, though, the Doom source code has been out there since the 90s. So, like, it wasn't like a case of someone reverse engineered. It's Software themselves released the Doom source code. They just didn't release the sound engine, which is why, like, most... Uh, most ports of doom they use like the uh, it's either like a, the Roland uh, soundtrack or it's one of them like I, I, I know that they they use uh, the default soundtrack is based off of a uh, what's the word I'm looking for um, It's based off off of a specific MIDI card.
1: Yeah, but if you wanted to use a MIDI... Oh, you have to have a MIDI card for your FM Towns computer to run it. And another problem with uh, porting Doom is it, the optimal performance is for a 486DX2 uh, with 8 megabytes of RAM. The RAM's not a problem. Getting the DX2 processor, um, that is kind of a problem. It's hard as hell to get that processor. Um, the But otherwise... Um, yeah, Doomworks, BCC Son, um, he's the one that ported it over. Um, he also he's also been porting some other games to towns. Um, I'm trying to think of any other topics uh, to bring up for preservation. I thought there'd be a lot more guys chiming in, but it seems like really everybody's all about retro modding. Uh, you know, whenever I have a retro modding, got tons of people join. Uh, when it comes to preservation, it's crickets. But um. That's a, that's a pitch. um which is fine. Uh, preservation's is, you know, it's a thankless thing, really. Um, it's a money sink. Definitely a money sink. <laughs> well,
2: in terms of, like, preservation, like, there's multiple interests in the topic. And it, it's much more spread out compared to, like, uh, mods and repairs and things like that. I know me personally, I've wanted to get into preservation in the form of the pirate scene for uh, retro gaming. I feel that, like, especially with poorer countries, or less... Sorry, not I don't want to use that word. Um, less financially fruitful countries. Um, you know, they, they had to come up with all sorts of workarounds to still get their gaming fixed while not spending too much money. Brazil, we, we recently started learning a lot about, like, Brazil's gaming uh, history. We started learning a lot about uh, uh, the gaming history in uh, countries like India
1: as well. And, you know, I would I, actually I, be very interested to learn about Brazil and um, <clears throat> India's retro game. I'd be very interested to listen to those, honestly, learn about them. So, the closest you're going to get to Brazil is Stika, who
2: actually, his whole channel is about covering, you know, gaming. Well, it's it's covering homebrew, uh, like, uh, homebrew titles uh, as well. But one of the things he wants to focus on is, like, bringing up, like, what it was like gaming in Portugal. Uh, because, you know, those countries were often neglected by the big, by big companies. Like, Sega... Was probably the only company that really dipped their toes outside of the usual markets. Nintendo did not like at all.
1: And- no, Nintendo really stuck to one demographic. Um, when you look at, um, a- a- in retrospect, they they stuck to one demographic. They really, I think, they always focused on family stuff. Really, and what I would be very interested in understanding. Uh, this is a side note. This is this is preservation related. Um, floppy copiers. I would be very interested to understand the attitudes of Sega and Nintendo regarding the floppy copiers.
2: Oh, I can actually tell you that. Um, so I, I'm someone who's been, uh, I don't really talk about it too much, but I am like knee deep in terms of like understanding as much information as I can in terms of the pirating scene. Um, from collecting vintage uh, Famiclone consoles, which there are a lot of them. I should just put that out there. Do not get into collecting vintage Famiclones. You will lose a lot of money, and you'll be collecting a lot of variants. Um, But um, here's what I found out about it. Both Sega and Nintendo, they tend to be like you know, very, very aggressive towards each other, but the one thing they can agree on is that uh, copiers suck. And um, even though it's seldomly known, there were Mega Drive disc copiers back in the day. They, uh, But they literally came and went like that because those disc copiers, uh, as soon as they hit the market, Sega found out and immediately started firing off lawsuits. Like, left and right. So, they squash those things quickly. Nintendo, however, they were rather slow in response. And as a result, many other companies started uh, producing their own disc copiers. Making it much harder for them to uh, stomp, uh, stomp down on those.
1: I've never... I, I know for some reason the Super Famicom copiers were, like, extraordinarily widespread. Um, the... <sighs> The Genesis copiers, for some reason, those seem way more difficult to obtain in the West. Uh, Maybe it's just me, but I I personally. So when you go to eBay and you look up Famicom copiers, you can find them for like exorbitant, stupid, untested prices. But when you look up a Genesis, like Genesis copiers, there's not that many of them. And if they are on eBay, they are for like really dumb prices. Uh, it's really weird, but it would just be interesting to to know the attitudes of them both. I do know that um, Nintendo games eventually they had um, countermeasures. Uh, the really the later games they had a lot of countermeasures for the copiers. I don't know if the Mega Drive games had countermeasures for copiers.
2: Oh, um, yes. So they did. They did have some co- countermeasures so although they weren't very effective (laughs) but um so for example tmss that was designed specifically to block out uh to block out unlicensed and pirated uh mega drive games because that code is copyrighted so in order for them to you know how like uh pirates like to try to skirt around copyright laws, even though they just pirated the game, so that kind of defeats the point. Um, Well, they would delete that code by nature, so that way, because it's copyrighted code. The thing is, though, that's a trap. Um, If you delete that code, then it will never run on a Mega Drive or a Genesis. Um, That was the point of TMSS. It blocked out any sort of unlicensed or pirated game that deletes that code um, or doesn't have that code entirely. If it's present, Sega will uh, file a lawsuit on you uh, for that. And it's immediate. Like I said, Nintendo was very slow to respond to disc copiers of their systems. That's why there were so many of them. Sega, on the other hand, they were on it. Like, night and day, they were watching seeing if someone's gonna release a bootleg product uh or a disc copier and as soon as it happened they struck quickly they did not mess around they didn't wait like nintendo they didn't uh they didn't like keep their ears plugged or stay uh you know in their own little corner no they were watching the market in every corner that's why, like, the Scorpion 16 or the Magic 2 uh, bootleg consoles, they got struck down really fast as soon as publicity started uh, hitting about them back in the UK. they uh, Sega was incredibly litigious about protecting the Mega Drive and Genesis as much as possible. That's why you will hardly ever find those copiers, because they were struck down very quickly.
1: The copiers... Um... What's interesting is when you mentioned that, um, the Sega Genesis, (laughs) Sega, I guess, as you said, they didn't mess around with copiers. So what they did was they implemented, as you said, the TMSS stuff. So Sega said, oh, crap, we need to just make a brand new hardware revision. And I think we all know that Sega is very notorious for hardware revisions for almost every console they've ever made. Like multiple revisions, especially the Genesis and the Saturn, they had so many revisions of those consoles. It's nuts. Um, but I'm very interested. Again, I'm I'm quite interested to understand um, really the retro gaming history in Brazil and India. I didn't know India had like a big retro gaming thing. Um, I was quite unaware of that. I my my knowledge um, outside of Japan in the West is in Southeast Asia. It was a lot of just pirate, just playing out piracy.
2: Well, um, even, like, the country where my family is from, the Philippines, um, there is an interesting history in terms of video games there. So, during, like, the 90s, the president of the Philippines at the time just straight up banned it. Like, they banned arcades, they banned home consoles, things like that. It was just straight up, boom, none, nada, zilch. Um, But the Famiclone scene was huge in the Philippines as a result. Um, It's the same thing in India. Um, Because Nintendo did not support those countries themselves, either due to laws or uh, licensing fees or import fees, the companies that saw a a gap in the market often turned to Taiwanese companies. Um, Usually it was microgenius, actually. Uh, In fact, the consoles I can think of that were from India... Were micro Genius consoles, um, just rebranded. Obviously, um, in terms of like the Philippines, though, they went even cheaper. <laughs> um, so think of like think think of it like for India, they had like variants of like the IQ five hundred one, which also became the basis for the Dendy. Um, whereas like China got uh, the Philippines got something more like the computer game where it's like super cheap plastic and a very poorly done chipset. So that that's always been kind of like the scene for like uh, lesser known countries in terms of like early gaming. They often turn to the piracy scene, even in Brazil, uh, Brazil, Portugal and things like that. The Master System is known to be the successful console there, but that's only partially true. It's the most successful official console in those countries. The actual most successful console in those countries were Famiclones.
1: I I don't doubt it, and I, I suspect it had to do with the fact that the Famiclones were cheaper than an actual Famicom or an S. It's either they would not, they would not ship. They would either Nintendo would not distribute them in those countries, or Nintendo decided that the country was just not worthwhile to distribute. Well, okay, pretty much the same thing. But basically, Nintendo decided let's just not sell it here. It won't sell well. So then the gray market occurred where the Famiclones, like the den, like the uh, what is it, the Dendy, uh, the Dendy
0: Famiclone.
1: Yeah, I need. I, Side note, I'm still looking for a Dendi. I need to harvest the NOAC out of it for a project. But uh the, <laughs> Dendi, good luck with the that. I know it's I know it's hard to find. It's expensive. I know. But um Yeah, so that's I guess that's why I like dendies and stuff. But yeah, they're um Bra- Brazil specifically, because you know I don't know if you knew this, but Brazil's like the largest country in like the western hemi or not western, but like in one hemisphere of the earth it's the largest country. So like for me to really not know much about it, I'm a little upset. (laughs) Um, So I'd be quite interested to learn about how uh, retro gaming really evolved in Brazil. I know at this time, Brazil as of like 2023 um, importing stuff into Brazil is very expensive. I'm aware of that. That's all I really understand. Well, in terms
2: of like retro gaming in Brazil uh, at this point in time, it's hard to say that they, look at like games of like retro or modern these days mainly because well a lot of people in uh, in Brazil are still playing on their PS2s for a reason <laughs> but i will say that like if you're looking for a dendy you're not going to be able to find like a dendy straight up but if you can get in contact with the right people, you might be able to get something like I got. I, I have here, I'm holding it in my hands right now, a MicroGenius Super uh, IQ501. This is a rare variant of the IQ501 where what makes it different is it's, it's all black. Yeah, that's the only difference. It, yeah, it, most it's... of them,
1: Most of them are actually white, if I am not mistaken.
2: And I think I think yeah. a lot of
1: them sold in Poland,
2: so they sold in various countries. Um, the Micro Genius brand was one of the first uh, companies to reverse engineer and sell cloned Nintendo consoles, mainly the Famicom. Um, so the IQ five hundred one is what became the basis for. Um, the Dendi. And it was sold in... Uh, it was sold as the Pegasus in countries like Poland and Greece. And it was sold under its normal name, the MicroGenius, in countries like um, the UK and even Canada of all places.
1: It's just I have that um, Dr. PC Jr. that I have. Uh, the NOAC is dead, and what's his name? Um, Muramasa sent me a NOAC that he had, and it's not compatible with the um, board. I have to use a much earlier version of the NOAC, which, unfortunately, is in the Dendies. And, unfortunately, um, you basically can only get the chip itself from Russia, and, it's, and as you know... Getting items from Russia at this current time is very difficult due to you know economic sanctions and whatnot. Um, so it's actually very hard to get this um, Dr. PC Jr. up and running again. Um, but yeah, back um, back to the preservation stuff. Um, something that GPS does they don't they don't advertise this, but something GPS does do is they do perform um, documentation of. Um, specifically, copy uh, protection on floppy disks. Um, I don't know if they do that for the Famicom. I actually don't know if Gaming Preservation Society touches Famicom stuff yet, because I know even Nintendo scares them. This is, and, and again, let me let me just iterate. GPS is doing everything legally you can do in Japan. Very legal, very legit, nonprofit, and they are still scared of Nintendo. Um, but they do document for like floppy disks and stuff. They document, um, and this is all internal. This is not public. Um, they document protection schemes on floppy disks for like sharp X 68,000. Um, I do know that they're doing, um, captain Yee's. Um, he is documenting the FM seven and FM towns floppy disk copy protection schemes. He spent like last summer. Um, he was pretty much documenting them on like last summer.
2: I'm not surprised that they're terrified of Nintendo because um, Japan has like probably some of the most heavy handed copyright laws. So if a company wanted to raise hell, they can raise hell and win.
1: I mean, Nintendo will always win. Um, But I think GPS is really focused on eighties and seventies. Um, stuff primarily they're focused on arcade stuff Uh, this isn't ultra public or anything but they're really focused on arcade stuff floppy disks Uh, really i think it's because the floppy disks you know those are more so floppies are the worst damn format guys um i think you know i think everyone here listening knows what a floppy disk is um, but floppy disks can degrade so badly. If you put it inside of a floppy drive, the film will peel off of... The- Sometimes the disk can degrade so bad over time. The film will peel off of the disk as the disk is being read. So then it just destroys the disk. And I've had that happen before. I've had that happen with a couple FM Towns floppy disks and I've had to rebuy games because the disks were already basically came to me already ruined. Like no, no amount of cleaning the disc prior would have fixed that. Um, oh, and another thing with floppy disk preservation I haven't mentioned is um, when you use a flux reader on a floppy floppy disk, um, You every single floppy disk I've ever dumped, which is at this point is about 250 FM Towns floppy disks. I always look at it in a, uh, the editing software called HXC, which is free. It's free floppy disk uh, file conversion software. Um, I look at every every single dump I do, I look at it, and you could view a virtual image of the disk, and you could tell if it has protection or not just looking at that. And you can tell if it's damaged or covered in mold.
2: Sounds like a good time.
1: Actually, I recall when I was really new to floppy disks. When I've dumped like less than twenty at this point, um, I remember I was dumping a disk, and I think I tried cleaning it because the advice at this time. Again, this is with me with like twenty disks at this point. Um, I'm like, oh, I can just pop the, I can just clean the disk, pop it in, and you know, after five minutes, I'll have a flux copy on my computer. Um, I didn't pay attention when I was cleaning it. I didn't really do like another visual inspection after I cleaned the disk, and I popped it in, and my floppy disk started making like a screeching noise. And I'm like, "What the hell? Why is it making this noise?" I and mean, I looked at the fi- when I looked at the files on the computer, um, like the floppy disk that I dumped. Um, the virtual disk image showed all of these check errors, all like basically a bunch of red spots, like empty data and bad data, right? and i'm like what the fuck happened and i popped the disc out and there were whole physical holes on the floppy disk so you always got to clean and do a visual inspection on so i've lost a few floppies in the ver- in the very beginning when i was dumping towns floppies i lost a couple games because of that um I think it was like two games and i've 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 rebought both of them since um and during that process, I specifically ruined one floppy drive because it was covered in mold. Like, you know, even if I used a Q tip and alcohol to clean the floppy drive, uh, there's still going to be mold present no matter what. So it'll just ruin every single disk it will f- scan after that. So I just grabbed a new drive at that point. It sucks, but I did it. Um, but the, I think that I'm not sure if. The 5-inch discs are worse, or the 3.5-inch discs are worse. Um, for the 5-inch discs, I've only dumped less than 10 5-inch discs for 68K and PC-98. Uh, FM Town's never had 5-inch discs. Uh, but the 5-inch discs, according to GPS, the 5-inch discs and their experience are the absolute worst. Um, and, I, and I think the only reason they're saying that, this is just speculation on my part, I think the only reason they're saying that is because they mostly deal with 5-inch floppy disks for like PC-88, PC-98, and 68K. Uh, they don't have a lot of FM Town software, which as I said, FM Towns is 3.5-inch disks. Uh, but I've personally encountered about a 2% failure rate on three point and by two percent, I mean the discs are totally not recoverable. Now, now, okay, if I wanted to really be accurate, I'd say about ten percent of the discs I get have mold on them, and I can clean them and get a good dump with a you know ton of effort. Right, I can get a good dump, don't have to rebuy a game, game is good. Um, now when it comes to the five inch discs um they're physically larger and you can't it's it just sucks because you can't even with the shutter you can't physically get everywhere um but the hxc software can at least tell you where the problem sectors are with these discs um and another problem with the towns with town stuff is that because some games have the audio on a cd So everyone knows Towns has a CD drive built in. Most of the games came on CD. Um, A lot of games came with a floppy disk and a CD. And what that means is, that means one of two things. Either it is a save disk, like a save game floppy that comes with it, and it cannot be reconstructed, as in the software cannot make a new one, Um, which means that the save floppy is just as vital. Or it is a boot floppy, which means that the actual game is on the floppy disk, but the audio for the game is on the CD. <laughs> I've seen that before. Um, so it's a chicken and an egg problem. So if you get an FM Towns game, and then you're like, okay, it has a CD, and it has a floppy disk, and you dump the CD, the CD is obviously fine, but then the floppy disk has like mold or scratches. It's like, okay. You've dumped the CD, but now you need the floppy again because the floppy's is effed up. So then I have to buy the game again. I have personally never encountered that yet. But for some of the games that are still not dumped for FM Towns uh, that still have a boot floppy that come with it, I'm a little nervous for something like uh, Final Fight for the FM Towns, which is not dumped. I'm a little nervous about that one.
2: I would imagine so. If uh, if during the dumping process it could just literally
1: fall apart on you. Oh, dude! I've had. Um, there was one game I spent. Uh, this is the most I've ever spent on one game. Fifteen hundred dollars on um, Nightmare. Was it was a nightmare. Goddamn it! I forgot the game. Uh, the the name. The word nightmare is with it. I should really remember the full title. Um, <clears throat> I bought the game. I dumped the CD. Um, The CD, of course, had some game files, but the critical files to actually start the game were actually on the floppy, right? So I cleaned the floppy, dumped the floppy, and the floppy had errors on it, and I started freaking out because I'm like, oh my god, I just spent this much money, and the fucking game doesn't work. I dumped that floppy disk seven times. It did not get better results. So it turns out the main developer, when he was active with us, Um, He looked at my bad copy that I had. And then he looked at a dumped disc from the same game series and basically reconstructed files and basically made like a hacked up floppy that would boot. It's so weird, dude. It's like, basically imagine one or two files are corrupt on the floppy and he stole them from another floppy disk and it worked. That's basically what happened.
2: I wonder that tells me that um the boot process for that game is like a two part affair it's not just simply dump file and you're good like it, it there's there it sounds like there was a second layer to it that wasn't dumping correctly
1: it was, it was one or two very specific files. Um, I think Rock Lee knows the exact game. Uh, there's a gentleman in the chat that also asked me what it was. Yeah, it was... Uh, what was it? Psychic Detective Series Nightmare. Yeah, it was not, it was not the re-release because um, they were re-released in 1994. I've also dumped that copy. It was the retail copy in 1991. That was the one. That's the one I got burned on. Um, but again, the main developer... Um, he basically made, hey, man, um, I think I dumped like volume three or volume two and that because the games are in, it's a game in series with five different games. And I think I dumped volumes two and three and he grabbed one of those floppies, grabbed the files that were, he deleted the files that were corrupted on my copy and just yanked those files over and it worked. Now, the game I'm really worried about, and I will say this publicly, like I said, is Fatal Fury special um, because Fatal, so Everyone knows Neo Geo games, the prices are nuts. Every single person knows this, right? Um, House mortgage level prices. Um, There is one version of Fatal Fury. Basically, this is the last Neo Geo game that has not been dumped. That's basically what this boils down to. And it is the port for FM Towns. And it does exist. And it was sold by Beat on Yahoo Japan uh, 12 years ago. Uh, Someone, like all the guys in the Neo Geo community said I was lying, but it's not true. You can go, you can look on com and look at the historical auction. And Fatal Fury Special was sold by B in 2009, and they showed the game running on an FM Towns computer.
3: There is something else. There is one more thing. It did appear in 2015 as well. Once.
1: Was that the one sold by... Maybe that's the same auction I was thinking of that was sold by the Beep store.
3: There is two auctions over the last 20 years. One is the one you mentioned, around around 2008, 2007. I cannot recall at the moment. And then the Beep one in 2015. Then, after that, I want to say there's something even more challenging, which is going to be any DOS V... or the old MS-DOS for Japanese computers, because IBM had a very, very strange early start on the PC market back in 1990 with the IBM PS2 line, or PC series as well.
1: Yes, Um, and actually, um, when IBM computers um, were formerly sold in Japan, I don't think they sold very well. Um, And do correct me if I'm wrong, um, Japanese prefer domestic options. So, really, the PC98. I'm assuming it. It wasn't the 68K was not as not as widespread as people will think. It really because it was expensive. Still,
3: I think the PC98 dominated almost everything. Well, oh. I want to clarify something. There is um, about this psychic detective series. There is also one thing that people. Might not know is that it was originally planned to be a dual release on the same disc. You will be able to have the DOS V and FM towns at the same time, which luckily didn't happen. And also, just another um, a company called Just J A S T. Sorry for my my bad English, so my first language. That company also did bid on this format and. and did mostly release onion floppy.
1: Oh yeah, you bring up a good point. Some of the oh Fenris, um, some of the games for Marty and FM Towns were dual boot. <laughs> so if it's if it's on a CD, I, I actually have a I have a piece of software downstairs. It is it will boot on a Macintosh. It will boot on a Windows ninety five IBM computer, and it will also boot on an FM Towns computer. So there were some games that were like dual-boot, tri- uh, hybrid-tribrid uh, games. Most of those... Even four.
3: Even four at the same time.
1: Yes, there were some.
3: X68000, um, DOS-V, FM Towns, and PC-98 on the same CD.
1: Yep. It will boot on all four of those computers. Uh, those weren't as widespread as you think. In terms of like retail games, though, um, those were mostly... Hard-lined, hard, you know, developed for that one specific platform.
3: Yeah, but we have another trouble that there was companies who decided to waste more CDs, and they did print PC ninety-eight version on a CD, FM Town version on a CD, and DOS three version on another CD separately. So you have to buy all three. And the only difference you're gonna find is the executable, the .exe or the .exp, is gonna be the only thing that changes. But the assets and the rest of the images of the, of the game and the text is gonna be the same files.
1: Actually, I, I would think, in retrospect, making software for the PC ninety eight and FM Towns, like making them uh, cross compatible, was probably easy. Um, and I only only reason I say that is because they were x eighty six based. Um, so, you know, PC 98 had 386 CPU, FM towns have 386 CPUs. Those softwares were really, um, cross compatible like that. Uh, but the DOS, the DOS V situation, I don't understand it very well. I actually don't understand the format very well. Um, all I understand about the format as far as DOS V goes is DOS V gaming software, well, DOS V in general, um, that was meant to be Japanese MS DOS installed on an IBM compatible computer or PCAT type computer, um, basically a Western computer. And, you know, in terms of the J- Japanese landscape, it is a Western computer, and it is basically Japanese MS DOS on that. And then games were specifically made for that format. Um, I think that's that's how I understand it. I might be wrong. Uh, please correct me if I'm wrong.
3: I can clarify, it's not a format, it's just an OS. So this means like, it could be there's even possibilities to even run DOS V games on modern, of course, PC 9821 and modern FM, FM towns like the FMV because they do share some of the architecture and they do share some of the code that can be used to communicate to the hardware. And plus, um, just... Uh, yeah. We got as well other things. You have to take in mind that since yeah, it's the same architecture like x x86. They some of the games I have been able to boot them on a PC891 with no issues, except for few things like the sound, for example, because it's instead of FM samples, it can be like just like a standard wave files, which is not able to be reproducing those and. Like similar incompatibilities, but mostly DOS V is like a some kind of middle ground between platforms.
2: Well, Commodore also did something similar. Um like before they, you know, went completely uh bottom up. Uh they they had a line of games that worked on their last set of computers. It worked on their Commodore CCTV, the Amiga CD32, as well as uh, a few of their other PCs at the time. Um, So it seems like just that era of like computing uh, went out of their way. If they had a home console uh, variant of uh, that shares the same architecture, they just seem to like um, go out of the way to make it as compatible with as many machines as possible if they can get away with it.
1: So it, well, and it's interesting that the DOS V um what what was I don't know if DOS V was very I don't think like I thought I don't think it was very widespread um I just a side note I did plan to have a DOS V computer downstairs but there there's really not a lot of games um that are dumped for DOS V I do remember um, when I first got into FM Towns preservation Um, I think I bought a game called Menzo Baranzan, which is like a Dungeons & Dragons type game. Um, I bought it from Saruguiya, and then when I got the disc, I'm like, oh, it's FM Town's version. No, it was DOS-V version.
3: It was a mistake on my part. Well, the thing is also, I want to clarify that, at least for the Commodore, it was everything. uh, It was standardized. Everything was following a set of rules while the DOS V didn't follow any standard as is, if it was depending on what the programmers had, what architecture they were working on, which sound chips they were going to be like supporting, also the MIDI cards, like, um, you know, all those Roland, like GS or GM or any other kind of uh, MIDI uh, support, uh, support. And about what you said, like there's not many dumps. Well, if possible, I plan to change that situation very soon because I've been working on with some users that have been like a pile up some stuff. And I think it's time to even just say like a little tip of the of the iceberg here. If somebody does remember a game called Three Sisters Story, which is for um, mostly for Windows nowadays, and it has been like released digitally by Just. Well, I want to say that, that those V version, some point I do plan to make Like a huge day just to say, hey, it's done, but first I want to make sure that the person who has it is has the got has got the real thing, can check the floppies, and if he cannot do anything with it, I will have to look at it.
1: Um, is the CD-ROM database? Um, do they categorize DOS V separately or no?
3: Well, the database does mention if they do have DOS, DOS V or. Any other platform in disk for example vanishing point has got like it's like um it's separately it's only it's if it's fm towns it will be f m towns only Meisotoshi uh, mesotoshi also known as uh, runaway city in the west uh, also has got separate release in this case but things like things like um the horde and uh now I have the tip of my tongue uh, which one was like a hybrid as well. The, I think it was the. Um, yeah, the I've got Victor. the
1: horde. I think is is the horde version. I can't remember. I I know I dumped it for FM towns, but I can't remember if that copy was also DOS-V compatible. Yeah, I think
3: that one was like a like like a hybrid. And then ah you got ah, yeah, yeah I know and the, I remember Runaway City of course Meisotoshi in the, in the, in Japan I was going to say the opposite. Runaway City is, for example, the most weird CD I've fa- ever found because. Mesotoshi Maraway City for DOS V was released in two different formats as a DOS V CD-ROM and DOS V CD-ROM plus towns. And the, the thing is, once I checked the first DOS, DOS V CD-ROM, surprise, I didn't even notice. The only thing they did, they did change, it was like they put all the towns files in a folder. And the FM towns version, has got all of those files out of the folder. That's the only difference, and that's about it.
1: It's funny that they're that closely related. Um, another, another question about DOSV: Is DOSV um, were they all
3: CD based, or were there some floppy? Mm, there is floppy disk, for example, San Mai. Oh God! Free oh. Sister Story, <laughs> the one I am talking about. Okay. It's going to be the second time that we get a copy because the first one was fucked, sadly. And I don't want to even mention how much, how much was it? I, I cannot even, 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 even calculate the loss. So it's the second time, the second time I'm going for that one. But luckily we got other ones and I do plan to make them available. If, things don't good. One thing that's bothered me about the
1: database is about three or two years ago. I think I dumped like, I think at that point I dumped almost 100 FM town CDs and I made a forum post and I said, Hey, um, the database is messed up Well, not messed up. I said, I'm getting pissed off that I'm spending, you know, thousands of dollars a month on towns games at the time. It was that it's not that much now. It's really slowed down. Um, just because everything's been dumped. A lot of stuff's been dumped, at least. Not everything, but a lot. Um, I said that there's games like... Remember the Horde. The Horde was released uh, for Towns, uh, dos It's I think that's a Tribrid CD. PC-98, dos fee, and Towns. And you would find that to be common because they're you know x86-based. And I mentioned that... Can you make some, some method in the database where... I can at least check that it's a hybrid or tribrid CD and what you, what consoles it is, because if you wanted to get it into the database, that means, okay, you're going to get the Horde, you're going to dump it and you're going to put it under FM towns. And then you're going to get Horde again, dump it. But the hashes match something already in the database. But so you can't just, you can't make a new en- I don't think you can make a new entry that easily. If the hashes match, you, you know what I mean? Like it gets to be a really messy situation. Uh, To this day, they have not implemented that measure that I asked for, and it's really frustrating.
3: Well, it is not possible to filter because you have to look at the comments of each disk of the database. So the only thing I can say is that, well, you can just send me a DM and ask me for what I have, like a catalog in my spreadsheet. So at least it can help you a bit about it because I've been keeping track of, of that purpose
1: i don't know i don't know any other people that are doing um dos v preservation at all i think i think you're the only person i know really like i I, like like like, i know like there's the there's the there's the 68k i'm sorry go ahead man you had a question Uh,
2: actually continue your thought um this is this is a question relating to the game uh, that you're bringing up but um you know, just finish your thought.
1: Like, I know this, the, there's a group of people that are doing 68K games. Uh, I'm not going to mention those names. They, they are very closed off. I know who they are. I'm just not going to mention who they are publicly. Um, they've dumped approximately, with Flux dumpers, um, 1,000 floppy disks. They still do, They still do not have the retail set close to done. Um, but the, their intent is to dump the retail set with flux and then document the copy protection. Um, but I don't think they're doing the CD, and that's a, um, another thing about uh, actually, this is an interesting topic to bring up. Um, after the DOS V, but the Dojin games is an interesting topic to bring up. Oh, god. Well, the Dojin game, like, so. Uh, I'm not sure if there were any DOS-V games that are considered Dozen or not. But um, but yeah, DOS-V is going to be a very interesting area to focus in, for sure. Um, I don't know of a lot... Again, I don't know a lot of games that were DOS-V. Um, it'd be very well, interesting to I can thing say an example.
3: For, uh, people do know, for example... Gra- like, uh, well, lately, there has been more focus on PC-98 on the net and YouTube. And, well, re- uh, generally, we've got more exposure to the systems. And uh, things like, for example, Farland Story, they had those V release, for example, Farland Story from TGL, which are the ones who made uh, the all known classic for PC 98 called Briganti.
1: But yeah, uh, the 68K guys, they're not doing the Dojin games. Um, Well, at least that's not their focus. Um, they're focused on the retail games, which is really scary because, uh, so if you think FM towns is like, if the prices of FM towns is bad, 68 K games are getting, or they're, they're not there, but they're getting there. They're getting close prices. To, are be getting fair, close. to be fair, I don't blame them for not wanting to do the
2: doujinshi games. I don't think I would feel too proud of myself either for preserving a bunch of porn.
1: Oh no! You you are. I think you're. No, no, no. You're you're misinterpreting. Uh, Dojin games are not those types of games. Dojin games are just games made by hobbyists. They're not. They're not those types of games at all. Uh, Dojin games. There's actually some of the best. The best games I've ever played on the 68K were Dojin games.
2: Okay. Actually, speaking of games, um, you mentioned the horde. Does the uh? do the versions of the Horde that you bring up have the same kind of saving thing going on that the 3DO version does, whereas, like, it will literally delete files just to make room for itself?
1: No. No, it will not do that.
2: Okay, so it was not intentional because I was told, like, the Horde for 3DO will delete files to make room for itself, but... It was someone mentioned. Oh, but that's intentional because you know the horde. It's it's thematically accurate. Well, I'm like I don't
3: know. That sounds more like a bug to me. That and- <laughs> sounds like a bug. <laughs> it is a bug actually. I did read about these things in in in, uh, in some articles. It is a bug. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean, don't get me wrong. It's a
2: fitting bug, but it's still a bug. I don't think they the developers intended. For, uh, for a specific port of the game to erase your save files to make room for itself. And you basically confirm that by saying that, no, it doesn't happen to the other versions of the game.
1: Um, so more CD-ROM-based preservation to burn up. Um, so for those that don't know, um, the Mega CD set has been done for a while what PC engine set, mega CD set, set? those are all done. Um, the only, the only discs that are really remaining, all oh, of the Dreamcast set is, of course, the discs that are remaining, um, at least for the Saturn, uh, just like um, the Saturn right now, um, are just really advanced, uh, demo or not for sale discs, which are very obvious, that literally on the, on the CD, it will say demo or not for sale, right? Um and, might be slightly different in terms of the gameplay and stuff than the retail version. Coming um, up for so distant in the Korea releases, of course, like Samsung Saturn, uh, those are definitely different. Um, and what those are really uh, all that are missing. Um, Dreamcast um, has that has the full library been completely dumped? It's been dumped for a while. Um, all that's remaining for Dreamcast, to my knowledge. Um, Revisions, specifically, I think Europe and Japan revision list is kind of weird. There was a game that was recently purchased. I will not mention the game uh, because I don't want Headhunters to go after it, but uh, it was about 55,000 yen. It was pretty expensive. Um, Basically, it'll surface in the sets that appear in the underground, you know, a couple months or whatever, but basically it was a game. It was a G-ROM pressed by Toyota, to be used at a convention, so as I, I understand. Um, I uh, Rockley knows which disc it is. I forgot the goddamn name of it, but it's basically I, I looked at some gameplay that was on YouTube. That a YouTube- you can call
3: that gameplay, you can call it gameplay because it it's, is not, it's not really a game, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Right? It's not really a game. It was
1: a again, the demo slash not for sale discs, those are rare as hell. Um oh oh and the PC engine. The PC engine of course there's the prize CDs. Uh lots of them obviously, basically all of them still missing. Because <laughs> there's you know 20 prize copies exist. <laughs> um the demo not fail CDs when they get you know rare they're you know rare as hens teeth, and when they do appear on Yahoo. I don't think a lot of people understand. There's a lot of PC engine colors in Japan. Um there are a lot. I don't think people understand that. When a PC Engine dem, uh, demo appears on Yahoo, like a like a kiosk demo disk or something, those are like, like 500 plus stuff. It's really crazy for a they demo. They don't care.
3: They don't care. They're just going to empty their pockets, and they're going to even get in credit card debts just to get that demo disk. Because for them, it's just like maybe the last thing they are missing, for example, if we got the examples of a promotional things or things that were sold only at the bookstore, like that Akia machine that nobody knows what's going to ever happen to that because that game is still for sale. You can if you, if you want, you can spend just, it starts with nine and you have to put, after that, just put, mm, just a moment, let me just check how many, yeah, just put five more zeros so nine plus five more zeros, and you get the price of that game. Ian. Literally. I know. The prices are insane for those discs.
2: The only time that Japan ever gets pissed off about um, rare or exclusive games to their country, uh, like the only time they ever get pissed off at a sale of that is when it's a foreigner that gets their hands on it. Um, especially if it's it turns out to be an unreleased game like Fairyland Story. Oops.
1: There was, um, let's see, and then in terms of, uh, oh, an interesting thing for, uh, I know Shiro's listening, um, interesting thing about Samsung Saturn games, um, most of, I, every single one that I've encountered, which is only my sample size is two, really, um, the only two Samsung Saturn games, and I, and I, I got those games my Samsung Saturn from Korea. Um, the games that I, that I did get, I got a bunch of CDRs that came with it. Uh, there was a mod chip in it, and I took it out. Oh, oh! You wanted to talk? All right. Um, there was a mod chip in mine. And I took it out. Um, but the interesting thing about it was that uh, there's region jumper. There's a language jumper in it, so by default, it's disabled in the BIOS. But I, but I saw that there was a modification already performed to enable Japanese, which was kind of weird to get from Korea. Uh, but the Japanese actually the Samsung Saturn games. Um, so when you open, when you have them, the retail packaging is actually in Korean, uh, when you dump the game, um, I think the region header says Korea, but the actual game itself is no different than the Japanese copy. That's actually a lot of, a lot of the um, Korea specific pieces. These, you know, like mega CD and stuff have a, have a Korea retail um, packaging. And then they have a Korea header at most, you know, like in, in terms of Saturn, for example. But in terms of, it would just be the Japan region, because um, I don't I don't think there was a. There's actually games
4: it. that can. Uh, there's actually games that actually run. That's a U.S. version that can run on the Korean Saturn as well. There's a few of them at least. I don't know the, I think Virtual Fighter and a couple others. I'm not gonna speak much. I'm actually at the gym right now, but just like listening in.
2: So
0: yeah, I got you.
2: The reason why I asked about the Dreamcast set is because there are actually a set of Capcom games that were released to the Dreamcast that I have been looking for dumps for so I could put in my GDMU, and they're called Four Matching Services discs. These were special versions of their Capcom fighting games that did support uh 480p yes there are 480p patches but the point is these are native 480p supported uh versions of their fighting games for the dreamcast i there i only found two of them but i know there are more of them out there and i've been looking for the dumps for the rest of the freaking library but it it's been a pain in the ass because one these don't pop up on ebay all the time
4: I'm guessing. One, I'm guessing two of them are JoJo's Bizarre Adventure and then Street Fighter Two uh, X or whatever.
2: Yeah, two, two. Those are uh, two that I'm missing. Um, the JoJo's Bizarre Adventure for Magic Stars, I know it exists. I've seen the physical copy, but oh, it does that. not pop up on eBay.
4: I have that if you want to DM me. I um, don't
2: have a. I don't have a uh, method to rip Dreamcast. This that's the problem. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have a, have,
4: I have a copy of it that you can. Oh, yeah. Just just DM me on my uh, on this on the account.
1: Um, the only the only Dreamcast. There's a few other Dreamcast discs. There was one Dreamcast GD ROM that I read about. It's obviously not dumped, but it was like a GD ROM that was pressed. That w- Dreamcast had some really weird. It was almost like 3DO. 3DO also had some really weird discs that were pressed, like. Demonstration discs that, like, I know there was very recently. Um, this is like still kind of under our knowledge, but there's a disc that was pressed for 3DO that was meant for like Toyota to use at like an expo. And someone, said, yeah, yeah, no, no, I'm not kidding, dude. Like, it's literally like a disc meant for like Toyota to like run at an expo. Toyota. And I guess they it ran on a 3DO and. Um. Yeah, that was recently obtained, which is pretty cool, really cool. Um, but Dreamcast had a. There was a dude on the forums three years ago that said he would pay several thousand dollars for it, but it hasn't. I don't think it's ever served, But it was ba- basically a GD ROM that was pressed for like middle school, like no joke. Um, educational software, not even a game. Educational software on a Dreamcast, crazy.
2: That's not unusual to think about. Um, there were plenty of game uh, game consoles that actually have software that were specifically made for schools. Um, I believe, uh, I believe, like the Famicom did have some software like that in the past. Um, don't quote me on that one. I- I'm literally reaching to the back of my skull to dig up, like, really old information when I was doing, like, all this research on, like, Famicom, Super Famicom history and whatnot. But it's not uncommon for uh, for a game company to repurpose some of their hardware for, like, educational purposes uh, or, uh, you know, demo purposes uh, and whatnot. Um, typically speaking, though, it, the, the hardware, there's nothing really too special about it. Like, y- there are exceptions, of course, but for the most part, they're just like retail systems that are just running um, special software that you can only get, uh, get under very specific circumstances. Like, I've seen like hotel uh, kiosks, for example, that were sold specifically to hotel chains that, while still having like regular ass consoles in them, they booted like very specific software that uh, only gave you like a timed um uh, a certain amount of time to enjoy a game or whatever.
1: Yeah, those are the I, I know what you're talking about. Those are pretty goddamn rare to find. Obviously, variants are still not dumped. They're not even documented. Um, they're spe- speaking of the unusual software on game consoles. 3DO had some, as you know, 3DO had some. Um, Dreamcast surprisingly had some Saturn. I, I'm unaware of any educational or non-game software for Saturn. I'm unaware of it. Some might exist. I'm unaware of any though. There is some. It's like
4: a for like a. It's like a word processing program they have on there. There actually was an education set that was released for the U.S. by 16th Rare. I think Sega Steve has a copy of it
1: on the chat here. Oh, yeah, that's, that stuff has to be, like, rare as shit. I didn't even know. That. I, I, I'm going to go look at that when this chat's over. That's really interesting. Um, the, but, yeah, the, that type of software. I, I've said this before. So, like, because I'm doing town stuff, uh, and I called and getting involved. I'm like, okay, everyone's – so, you know, Towns came out in 1989. I'm like, okay, everything that will appear on Yahoo, most of it's going to be games. And for the most part, that has been true. Most of the stuff I see on Yahoo Japan for FM Towns, FM Town's Marty, is games. Um, occasionally, you'll see some um, educational software or uh, productivity software. Uh, thankfully, that stuff goes by pretty reasonably cheap, and of course, I snatch it up. Um, but it's not as prevalent as the games. And, I, and I, I've, I've said this before. The game, the games that'll appear, um, you know, for of course, be expensive, but in the very, very long run of trying to doc, of the software for this game or this console slash computer, the educational software and multimedia software is what will one hundred percent not be documented. The games will eventually be documented, you know, you know, once they appear for sale, uh, you know, people grab them, whatever, they'll eventually get. Dumped and documented. It's going to be the retail. It's like the productivity software. That stuff's not going to be found. The stuff will split. Like like, there was a surprising amount of English language teaching software on FM Town's computer.
2: So the software for these two items I want to talk about have, I think they've already been dumped, but there are two items that I've gotten to hold. That actually did use retail consoles, but uh, were used for uh, for I for purposes other than just game uh, other than just gaming. The first was I've actually gotten to demo the uh, uh, the um, the fitness bike for the Super Nintendo, like the full unit uh, console the two-in-one cartridge, the bike, everything. And the other thing I got to hold was an AR-15 with a Super Nintendo port on it and a special cartridge that was meant for military purposes.
1: That's a very coveted and desired game. I know which one you're talking about. That's very desired. Yeah. Was it like
4: Ames Ames or something like that?
1: Yeah, aim. Yeah, it was something it, like that.
2: Yeah, it was made. It, it's uh, it, it's special software that was used to train military, uh, uh mil- military recruits to uh to use weapon, uh, use guns specifically the AR fifteen, which is why I was surprised when my friend told me to come over. I come over and he walks up with an AR fifteen. I'm like, yo, what the fuck? And it turns out, no, that's the controller. It's a light gun that looks that dead ass is a full sized AR-15.
1: Yeah, what that was, it was like that was a bunch of that was a game made for like people to like do shooting simulations before going to the actual gun range. Um, And if I had to speculate, because I was in the army for ten years, if I had to speculate, a a bunch of soldiers probably said they just wanted to use that stuff and just. they just brought the Super Nintendo with the cartridge and light gun in their room, and they probably just played games. If I had to guess,
4: probably. And I think it's probably it's not uh, AR fifteen. It's like some some version of like not the M sixteen, but something like some Armalite rifle. I forgot what the would be issue around that time.
2: I kind of wish that. Uh, no, I wouldn't have been able to talk my buddy out of uh, well ex friend now. Um, I wouldn't be able to talk him out of it. I was like thinking in my head, like looking back at it, I kind of wish I could have talked him into uh, into selling that to me. Probably but, lost a
4: few grand for that one.
2: Oh yeah, he would have asked for uh, he would have asked for a fat stack for that uh, because he paid a fat stack to get it. Um, he got it from someone who was ex-military.
1: So, um, so yeah, in terms of like the game sets that are dumped um, really for CD based stuff. Uh, I don't want to, again, I don't want to use the name of said database, but um, yeah, all retail CD games have been dumped. It's really, actually I'd like to bring up one. This, this is a topic I would really love to bring up is PS2. What
4: about the PS2?
1: Um, PS2 has been a pain in the ass to get dumped fully. It has been so fucking... It's because there's so many goddamn games. Not just yeah. that, but there's
2: so many goddamn variants of those goddamn games. Like, yeah, we're not it, talking it's, like
1: yeah. just regional
2: variants, but there's also re-release variants and regional variants of re-release variants.
1: Like, holy shit! Uh, now, do not quote me, but I think the very last retail Japanese game was dumped, finally, in the CD-based... Uh, um group that I'm you know referring to I I I I need to double check but I think the very last Japanese game was dumped
4: that's pretty close cool. did they did they, what year did that drop
1: um that that
4: was completed
1: or like the game
4: the game cuz that have to be I think PG was it one of the soccer games was like 2014 or something right was no game. no
1: no I mean like like in terms of like a game set being dumped. The last game was dumped like last week. So, All right. the PS2 retail set is done, quote-unquote, but the variants are going to take a lifetime to, to do. Yeah,
4: well, to let me put in in mind for the, uh, Sorry. I say have to keep in mind for the, uh, the PS2 re-releases as well, like the Yakuza games and the Fatal uh, Frame stuff.
2: Like, let me put this in perspective. So, one of my favorite PS2 games is Crash Twin Sanity. Oh boy, when researching the variants of this game, it was a rabbit hole. So first of all, this game was released on both PS2 and Xbox and original Xbox. The first version of the game was the launch PS2 version. Then later came the Xbox build. The Xbox build, they updated it to fix some of the bugs that were featured in the PS2 version. And then when it got ported over to the PAL region, there was another version of the game that was released for PS2 and Xbox, that was an update of the Xbox version. And then it got re-released over here as a Crash, uh, Crash Bandicoot 3-pack, which got updated again based off the European version. So there are three different versions. The game got updated three times, and the definitive version is the PS2 3-pack version, which you're not going to be able to tell if you have it, unless you look at some code on the disc
1: that's another problem. Um, the PS2 with the variants, we have, what, what was it? Greatest Hits? So, okay, so you have, like, okay, here's a game that came out, then you have the Greatest Hits version. Like, that's a variant. Like, that's a revision. I'm pretty sure you guys know that's a revision. So, the retail set's done. It's just all variants, the infinite amount of variants that exist.
2: There were some games that were just flat-out only released as Greatest Hits, and it's fucking hilarious.
1: Um, now, everything after PS2, uh, very specifically, well, not really after, but around, uh, original Xbox, for example, I don't know about those variants. I do know the original Xbox has an astronomical amount of Korean discs not dumped. Um, I also know that... Xbox 360 is still missing a shitload of Japanese releases. Well, I mentioned before about um,
2: uh, Adam Korlick having a, a what I think is currently an undumped really rare um, Southeast Asian exclusive uh, Xbox game that doesn't really pop up on eBay very often. The only problem is I can't find the video he showed it in Um but he has, like, a huge library of videos, so that's gonna take a while, um, but um, for Xbox, there aren't as many variants of Xbox games as there are PS2. One, because the Xbox only really did so well in North America. Like, let's be realistic here, guys. Um, it did fine in Europe. It did amazing in North America. It did shit in Japan. (laughs) Um, but in terms of variants, you don't really have that many. Like, you have, like, maybe your limited edition sets. Maybe. um, For, like, you know, Halo 2, um, Doom 3 is another one I can think of. You know, the Steelbook versions. Um, there's also the retail versions, which were just standard copies. And then sometimes you had a Platinum Hits. Um sometimes like you didn't there weren't as many platinum hit xbox games as there were ps2 greatest hits games or even nintendo players choice games
1: like yep. oh my and God. Those, and all of those all of those are revisions um, so really really the Raincode database um, well, the database i'm talking about um, the later revisions for xbox at least north american and pal releases they're really missing shitloads of revisions J- japan is also missing a lot of revisions um, actually just a side note, if you want to buy original Xbox games, now's the time to buy them cause they're still cheap.
2: Well, yeah, it, uh, let, I'm going to say this right now, the original Xbox suffers from the same effect that the Sega Genesis does. Yes. People are aware of them, but no, not a lot of people
1: give a shit about it. Yeah, they really just grab them and to mod them for games, but the games themselves are really surprisingly cheap. I don't know about Japanese games, Japanese uh, releases though. I don't Other know what right I they are. I've,
2: I've imported like Japanese Xbox games. They when I say it did shit in Japan, I was not exaggerating. It is it did so horribly that that you
1: can get them extremely cheap. Um that's because Uh, Japan really has a bunch of they're really nationalistic in terms of like their hardware software preferences. They'd rather choose a domestic brand over an overseas brand. That's just a national and you can't blame them. It's kind of like in the U S United States, people like the made in America sticker on stuff. So, you know, it's just a preference thing. True. Um, I will say like, the
2: most, notable, uh, the, the most notable original Xbox game that I got that was Japanese, and I never heard about it until I played it, was Cash- Castle Shikigami. And I was like, oh, it's just an anime game, isn't it?
4: Well, when I modded my Xbox and popped it in, oh, hey, it's a vertical shooter. Wait, what? Yeah, Shikigami no Shiro is definitely excellent. They have, a, I think, one and two are for the Dreamcast, and I think there's... Shik- Shikami, I think he had an English release in the GameCube on uh, in the US, I believe. Or is that PS2, I think? One of those two. PS2. Ah, okay.
2: The GameCube didn't get shit. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um...
4: I, I could have won the Japanese. The It had Shigami no Shiro 2 on the GameCube in Japan. I could be wrong, though.
2: Castle Shikigami did come out on uh, the original Xbox in Japan, which is kind of strange. Um, they didn't care about the system, but they released uh, Caves released... Actually, you know what? I think that's just a cave move. Like I've noticed how Cave likes to really release their games on like some really weird platforms.
1: Um, there was an interesting... Oh, a- another Towns thing I wanted to bring up. Um, so for those that don't know, I'm actually a university student. Um, so, um, it was like, what was it? It was, uh, last fall. I found out one or no last spring. I found out one of the professors, uh, one of the computer science professors that I have, uh, back in the nineties, he wrote a, He told me he wrote a piece of FM town software and he's like, yeah, no one's heard of that computer. And I'm like, I know everything about that computer. What do you want to know? <laughs> so, um, he told me he wrote a piece of software called Graph Harmony, which was productivity software. So, um, and it's never been dumped because it's not a game. Um, so, lo and behold, three months after that, it appeared on Yahoo, and then I grabbed it. So, then I dumped the game. And something interesting happened. So, for a lot of productivity software back in the day, I learned this. I learned this very specifically from Joseph Redon from Gaming Preservation Society. He said that retail games on these computers, you know, a lot of them have copy protection. Some of them don't. Um, he did tell me that the most of the time, the productivity for retro computers all have copy protection. Almost all of them. And I said that would make sense. It's you know spreadsheet software, whatever the hell it is. Right. Um, so this graph harmony software was basically the equivalent of uh, PowerPoint where it's used for like, uh, demonstrations or, uh, basically brief like slideshow briefings. Right. Um, so I got the software, I dumped it and then I brought, I brought my laptop in my professor's office and I'm like, hey, look, the a software that you made back in 1991. Uh, and I, I I brought the retail packaging and I hooked it up on uh, the Suguru FM Towns Marty emulator. And I'm like, hey, how do I use this? And he was, like, going through it with me, like, okay, I think, I man, this is, like, 30 years ago. I can't remember. He's like, okay, uh, click here. They're supposed to, oh, and click here. Okay, that does this. And he's, like, going through it with me, like, you know, it was kind of interesting. And there's an interesting thing there. There's a drop-down bar, and it says the word about, and I clicked it, and it says um, designed by whatever company he worked at 30 years ago. And it says engineered by, and it said his name along with the two other software engineers that wrote this piece of software. And that was the only piece of English in the whole software. Everything else, it was like productivity. But it's weird seeing this dude's fucking name on this software. He got got a kick out of
4: it. So did he actually write it in English, and they converted all to Japanese, or was it like a thing where it's like he had to program it in Japanese while
1: he's working on it? Oh yeah, I had. Oh, dude, I asked that question too. He said his company at the time. I, I know this is not gaming related. I'm sorry, but it is FM Towns Rare it's Computer. Amazingly
4: interesting, though.
1: Yeah. So he said that back in the '90s, he told me that. Or in the late '80s, his software company wrote like the number two productivity software for IBM compatible computers. Uh, so in I think it was like some accounting spreadsheet software, or some presentation software. Oh no, it was software. He wrote the. It was like the number two bestseller in the U.S. Apparently, so to say the least, his company was well known for that. And Fujitsu themselves sent a representative to talk to them, and can you make the software for us for our computer? And their companies like, yeah, we can make whatever you want. So, say one interesting thing. He said uh, the, the Fujitsu representative in the office again, it was thirty years ago. So his, it took him a while to say this, but uh, he, the Fujitsu representative that was at their office said, "We need you to make Layda graph." And he's like, "What the hell is this? What do you mean ladle? Gra- ladle? He he's thinking it's like a kitchen ladle, right?" It's a Japanese man saying ladle graph, and he's like, "What the hell is that? Hold on, draw it on the draw it on this piece of paper." And it was like a radar. It was a radar graph, probably something uh, nobody knows about, but it, it, it's just a type of graph. So then the guy drew it. He's like, "Oh yeah, we can make that." But it's just kind of funny that you know the the language thing, you know language barrier. Uh, but he did. So this is what he said. He said that Fujitsu sent, um, computers to his company. So they sent them FM towns, computers, monitors, all that stuff. Um, they sent them all the computers there. Um, he said the way it worked was they wrote the software in C on a regular, like IBM computer. And then used a C plus plus to C interpreter. I didn't know that existed. He had to explain to me what an interpret software interpreter was, but basically they wrote the software in C plus plus, and then it was transcoded into C. Then they put it on the FM towns computer and compiled it from C into the actual, um, you know, make the software work on the towns. I just found, I found that part interesting that, uh, Fujitsu did not send C did not have a C plus plus compiler until 1995, but he still wrote the software in C++ in 1991. I found that part interesting. Uh, but anyway, that was just a nice little bit about Fujitsu software, FM Towns computer stuff. Um, but he did. I did ask him, I'm like, okay, so did you get like Japanese documentation and you didn't understand it? He said, he told me that they got English documentation from Fujitsu, but it looked like it was... Uh, Went through Google Translate, <laughs> so like the English was all kind of fucked up, but they could more or less understand what the documentation said. So I hope that I hope that answers your question. Um, basically, they were, they were given the tools to do it. I found that interesting. Um, the side, sagu- oh, yeah. I, I meant
4: more like the uh, like the text on the, the GUI interface. Did they did he have to like figure out what it said or something or that part's the interesting.
1: I should ask him that question because the the entire software is in Japanese. So I really should ask him that. Um, Another interesting thing is that I asked him, I was very adamant on this. I said, did you put copy protection on this? He said, no, we didn't put any protection. I said, are you very sure? He said, yes, because I'm looking at this floppy disk and this software, and this is telling me there's copy protection. So his company didn't put protection on it. Fujitsu did. That part I found interesting.
4: Yeah, I mean, it might be easier just to do. A, might, might have been easier for them just to do like a wrapper around like a like before they play the software. They had like a the, the FM Towns. Morty look for something on there or something that was built in for that. Just something that um, I can easily wrap around it.
1: It it might have been uh, Fujitsu definitely put protection. Like I'm looking at the disk and like a like a graphic user interface on my computer, Flux Dump, and I'm like. I I've dumped 250 floppies, man, and I'm like, yeah, this has protection. Uh, it Dumped, it runs in the emulator fine. It probably, if I try to copy the disk on a physical computer, it will probably not copy it. That's probably the protection. Um, wh- again, it makes sense. It's activity software, and it was actually expensive. It was the same price of a retail game, so it was kind of expensive. Um, but yeah, just just a little interesting little tidbit on uh, town stuff. Uh, I just wanted to throw in there. Um,
4: Very interesting. Thank you.
1: Yeah, yeah. um, But yeah, um, the whole um, the remaining the remaining CD focus. I don't know what the current um, group CD focus is in terms of preservation. Because for like the past year and a half, it was PS two. PS two was widely focused. Um, I don't know what the current focus is at this time. Uh, I know. I know. Like revision. Of course, revisions are always welcomed. Uh, revisions are like highly desired, of course, for all game systems, but I don't know what the current CD focus is.
3: Well, before I go, because soon I'm gonna have to go here, I just wanted to clarify about something that Fujitsu did and why other companies as well were like really into protecting their software. It was not because of piracy. I want to clarify that. It was to avoid any competitors to even look at a copy of their software without even paying for it, and even, like, if possible, try to prevent anyone from even trying to reverse engineer or decompile the sources and just make a copy of it.
4: Yeah, you also have to keep in mind, it also might be for so that way, like, an office suite just doesn't get one copy and just copy it over and over again. So they have to buy multiple copies. Oh,
3: that in Japan doesn't happen because there is, like, a very strong law that if you do even just that... Like it can even lead to your company closure because of the debt you're going to incur. Yeah,
1: even the educational software that I've dumped, um, I've dumped some educational software meant for like elementary schools for FM towns. Um, Those had copy protection, even. But like like Victor said, Japanese, the, the laws are so draconian. They, and they enforce well. It's not that they're draconian. The laws exist everywhere. It's just they're enforced a lot. You know, you know, allo, you know, ch- you know. Please see Nintendo. <laughs> you know.
4: Yeah, I figured though that some people would just take the risk, like a uh, like Nina's. Where it's like, oh, no one will find out. Just don't snitch, and we're good.
1: Yeah, like I said, don't. know. Current CD focus is in terms of the preservation um, landscape, because the bit, like I said, the big push the last year and a half was PS2, and I think, and like I said, I think the PS2 sets done. Like it, all it was missing was Japanese stuff, um, Japanese releases. Like, like for example, the English game was dumped, like the NTSC version was dumped, but the Japanese release was not dumped. So, I don't, I don't know what the current focus is going to switch to. Um, I do see a lot of, like, CDI entries for the CDI system. By the way, there's a CDI ODE coming out. Just a side note. Um, there is, um, let's see, CDI, there's a shitload of entries for that. And just FM towns are re- really like the big, big, big new entries that pop up when they do. Um, everything else is just variants and revisions. Oh, Patrick. Side note: Um, did you look into the? You looked hardcore into the Saru project, or not really?
4: What what project?
1: Saru, the Saru cartridge loader.
4: Um, I think we covered that out the the Dragonman Memory, What was that again?
1: That was the cartridge that can run CD games on yeah. Saturn.
4: Oh, yeah, we looked into that and uh, we were actually considering maybe doing something like manufacturing wise, but I think it just was not cost effective, especially with other software that's and uh, ODs that are out there on the
1: market. Um, so I have a direct email with the phone, uh, developer of that thing. Like I have his email and every, like I have to talk to him through Google translate. Um, but he's basically considering a hardware revision only because I mentioned to him and he agreed that the Intel FPGA is very expensive and hard to find. And he 100% agreed with me. And then he mentioned five he propo he, he proposed to me five different chips that he was looking at and unfortunately most of them were like domestic Chinese ones which uh, respect to him it makes sense because he's in China um but it's really shitty for us because getting those chips is kind of hard very hard
4: yeah because um, yeah we, we it's a cool idea but like it just was kind of not cost effective we did Looking at manufacturing, that is like a Shiro thing. Unfortunately, I think Dan, uh, Dan here, I think he probably remembered better than I do when we covered that on the Shiro show. We had a whole discussion yeah. on that, and I think, I think that's what was the uh, uh, the consensus. But also, I forgot to mention. Good, oh, give me a second. Sorry, I'm uh, I'm just leaving the gym right now. I'll call, come back in a sec. All
1: right. Um, I do remember that. Uh, Mr. TPU, um, he said in the email that. Um, VCD functionality does not work with the Saru cartridge, and he was looking into, like, fixing that. Um, And then I do remember Rama commented on GitHub inside of, like, the source code. He commented uh, basically saying, here's how to fix this problem that you have. And it had to do with, like, reading CDs or whatever. They basically had to do with the source code and Rama even looked at the source code and commented, here's how to fix this or here's how I think you should fix this, which is pretty cool of him to do. Um, but yeah, I'm like, even with the Saru cartridge in its current state, I, I thought of making like a few, but I'm not sure. Like the very first email Mr. TPU asked me was, are you going to perform mass production? And I'm like, no, 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 man. This would be for like me and a few friends. Um, and then that's when he started sharing, like, you know, I'm thinking of switching these chips to something else. And I, t- I said, you should use this chip because Westerners can get it. But I don't know what he's going to do. I have no idea what he's going to do. I-, I-, I voiced my thoughts, though, like I said.
4: Yeah, no, I think it would be cool. Like, we were talking about just doing it for like we did it for us. But I think it would be the issue where we showing up on the Shura show and we have just been through like, oh, Where do you buy it? Where do you buy it? And like when we say, Oh, we made it for ourselves, we're like, Oh, we freaking just get, a, get it sent to you, whatever. It's like, make it for yourself and just show it off so we can't buy it. And I think that's our biggest worry when it's showing stuff off like that.
1: Yeah, he doesn't have a license in his GitHub. Um, you, you know, so you'd have to like talk to him. I already know that fucking Bitfunks tried to talk to him about mass production and he didn't respond to them, which is kind of funny.
4: Yeah, I know it's kind of a kind of a bummer. Like I said, it's a cool piece of tech, but like I said, it's even if we did have a license and make it, I don't think there'd be much of a uh, much of making much back off on it if we did. I mean, it'd be good for like doing for, do for the fans, but like I think with everything, it might just be too much than it's worth. Or like you know, we have to make it at like for, sell it like three hundred, four hundred dollars, and it's like who's gonna buy that over a satiator or or like a uh, other ODE solution, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I, I get it. And then I also, um, cafe alpha. He's actually a friend of mine. I uh, asked cafe alpha if he would write software for it and he didn't seem interested. He he's like, no, I'd rather focus. He really wanted to focus on, um, basically the same thing. The other cartridge that, um, goddamn the Waska cartridge. He wanted to make software for that, but Alex was, like, super busy. His name's Alex, but, like, Cafe also was, like, super busy, so, like, yeah, he didn't really... You know, he's a busy anyway, dude, I especially support,
4: Yeah, he's yeah, a busy dude, especially with the supporting the uh, the Gamers cartridges, which are kind of excellent that I need to get my hands on one of them, but, like, yeah, I just... Uh, like, right now, it's probably just best just to get, like, focus on, like, the Satiator and stuff like that, and I think there's that new one coming out that's actually that CDI one you talked about.
1: Yeah, the Fode yeah um yeah, whatever that is yeah yeah, yeah. fikesell's making it it already worked it already worked he's basically making like an ultimate ode which is pretty crazy um i'm actually talking he's actually a really cool dude i'm, I'm kind of talking to him behind the scenes about stuff but he's a cool dude uh it's pretty pretty cool that he's making like an ode that works for like everything that has not been made yet i, I just find that pretty cool
4: yeah no it's pretty excellent um I might be, I'm driving right now, so if, if you hear any road noise, let me know, and I, I can mute up, but, yeah, overall, I think, that's a cool device, we talked about that on the Shiro show, uh, it's really cool, but again, it's like, I think my biggest caveat with that is that it seems like it's trying to do everything, and maybe the price point might just put it, uh, put it a little bit too high for a lot of people that just want to basic ode i mean i guess it's just kind of like hard to switch to different devices and stuff like that or like swap it out it'd be kind of inconvenient unless he has like a comes up like a module it's the easy swap It we just pull it out and put it in another system but it's it's a cool concept i like it like i'm a fan of the the concept it's just the practicality i'm worried about
1: no i get it um i think i've covered most um Topics I wanted to bring up for the preservation stuff, um, but to really summarize, like all the laserdisc stuff, the laserdisc stuff is happening. It's just very slow.
4: Oh, did they? Finally it, ha- it has things, nothing to do uh, with people.
0: Sl-
1: did they finally dump
4: that mist one? I know what was that? They, they finally dumped that mist one. I know they had the the laser uh, laserdisc. Uh, somebody had it, and they paid like I think like five grand for it, like in the 2015. I just don't know whatever happened to that project.
3: Um.
1: So. The only laser discs I 100% know have been dumped with no dropouts and have been decoded. Um, Pyramid, what's that called? Pyramid fucking Pyramid Patrol, Triad Stone, I Will, and Virtual Cameraman. Those are the only f- games that have been dumped and they don't have problems. So, you know, no dropouts or anything, which means that they've been decoded and there is an LD file that exists for them. Obviously, it's not widespread. Um, yeah, I, guess no, exactly. yeah, I, I guess they don't want to share dumps. Yeah, I guess they don't want to share dumps until there's a way to emulate it. Is my speculation? Which I, I guess, I agree with that. Makes sense. Um, yeah. And then. A
4: bunch of bad dumps go- Bad dumps going around, it's just like you can't run them. It's like not, uh, it wouldn't, it'd be like, oh, why is this broken? Or like you just get complaints, and it's just too much trouble than it's worth almost.
1: Yeah, it, it makes sense. So all of the LD files are being held until, I guess, the set is done, which could take a while. But then again, there's not a lot of people that own Laserdisc games that will ship them to a person they don't know. But let's be real, you're shipping a. One to two thousand dollar disc to someone you don't know for about a week to dump it. You know, yeah, it's um, like, <laughs> um,
4: <laughs> I remember, I remember there's a story. Um, I don't know if you know the Dreamcast Junkyard at all. If you're familiar, with I them. don't. Um, it's basically just a, a Dreamcast, uh, it's a Dreamcast podcast and news site. They're really cool, latest just, uh, I think this worked with uh, Derek Wisland and released the uh, that Nakuru, uh Nakuru game game. I think you you worked on a bit. I think right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They uh, they had a podcast with this guy from Australia who was trying to collect a bunch of uh, MD MD laser discs and one of them was missed. And he was saying he bought them on uh, bought them on eBay and had them in Port Australia and I think uh, they found out what was in the package and asked for like another like grand or two. On top of the ever five grand he had, and it's a pretty cringe-inducing podcast. But uh, essentially, I think that's the biggest issue. On top of uh, these these laser discs, I mean, you see, like I, it, on like laser disc groups, like these people sh- ship them and they just shatter to pieces if they're not like packaged properly. Because it's like it's like twelve it's like twelve times the risk of shipping a CD or even a vinyl record. Because like anything happens, could either enhance like laser rod on that thing or just shatter if they it just like. It just sets wrong. So there's a lot of variables, and I mean, yeah, like, I don't want to be the dude that like says, "Oh, sorry, your laser just shattered into a million pieces." That that you paid five thousand dollars for uh Good luck. Have fun.
1: Yeah, I, I mentioned that problem earlier. Is like, you know, shipping those is like it's almost more sensitive than shipping glass. Like it's kind of scary. Um. But yeah, the Laserdisc problem is being worked. There's about 1,068K floppies that have been flux dumped. Um, There's still like less than 50. Uh, I think it was like 46 retail FM towns. Actually, 45. I'm bidding on one right now. Um, 45 FM towns retail games still not dumped. And the most expensive one is going to be...
4: Like everyone keeps trying to give me, I'm getting getting hyped on that. Like I think uh, Derek, uh, uh, Derek Pastorella was telling me something about that as well. And it's like maybe I need to pick one up. Like it's like making me think.
1: Um, my my comment on that is most of the games that are on that platform are not exclusive. Um, if you're going to get if you're going to get a Marty or a computer, um. I mean I could I could talk to you totally separately on like what computer to get, but um they're they're expensive as hell. But um usually what is unique about that platform is the sound chip inside is unique. So for example, if you play Super Street Fighter two on an FM Towns, it's going to sound different than on the sixty eight K release, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um it's, some it's, of the games, yeah. Yep. Yeah, the the LucasArts games, like uh, Zach McCracken, they graphically... By the way, that game is playable in English. There's an option to play in English. That game is graphically better and enhanced than the original DOS release. So you have some differences like that with the retail games, but otherwise, in terms of total exclusives, there's a very low amount um, and actually, as a matter of fact, uh, we did mention one, one of them is called Tatsujino. It's about $900 if you find the game for sale. That is an exclusive to FM Towns because it came out on Arcade and it was ported to Towns. Um, the only – the the the, the game – yeah, the, the game that I'm terrified of when it appears on Yahoo is Fatal Fury Special for FM Towns. I'm very scared of that game because I won't be able to afford it because it's a Neo Geo game.
0: Yeah. Uh, that, like
1: that, that, that undumped? would it's undumped, it's not oh, in the Neo shit, Kobe yeah. set. It's not, yeah, it, it's like when it appeared, it's only appeared on Yahoo two times historically in the last 20 years, and it was both times it was sold by the Beep Store, which is really that's even worse because, um, I'm pretty sure you know this there's people that just watch the Beep Store on Yahoo, like, yeah, no, there's I know. people I know that watch, I, I don't
0: know yeah.
1: Yeah, there's people yeah, that just possible watch Yugen 2+. Plus. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then I really the other problem... It,
0: but yeah,
4: it's, just, it's unexcessive.
1: Yeah, the other problem with, um, with Towns specifically is a chicken and egg problem, so if the floppy disk that it comes with is fucked up, then it might be a safe floppy or a boot floppy. And like, okay, let's say Fatal Fury Special. And I know this from the photos on, on .com. It comes with a floppy disk. And <laughs> so if that's a boot floppy and you pay $8,000, I'm not going to – I can't afford that. There's no way. But like if, you, if someone pays $8,000 for that from Beep or whatever and the floppy has mold on it, you're fucked. Like Yeah, like, that's really like, uh, – <laughs> you know. Like there, there's no, like, like you're geez. so yeah. When that game appears, the only thing, the only thing I could think of is asking nicely a Neo Geo collector if they're interested in getting it dumped. That's the only thing I could think of, and I don't know how that would go. I really don't. That that I'm not sure.
4: Honestly, if it, if it's not a from my experience with Neo Geo collectors, if it's not a Neo Geo system or a CD, I don't think they'd really care as much, because I don't see, like, I mean, I didn't. Even, I was on Neo Geo forums for years, and I didn't even know King of Fighters, Kio uh, 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 was a thing until, like, uh, earlier this morning, so.
2: Yeah, generally speaking, Neo Geo collectors don't really care if it's outside of the Neo Geo platform. If it was a case like a Neo Geo prototype cartridge, and yeah, no, you're not going to, you you ain't gonna pry that out of their cold dead hands. They will literally take that shit to their grave. Um, but if it's like, oh, here's a port of a Neo Geo game, they literally don't give two shits. Like It doesn't matter how obscure it is, they literally don't give two fucks.
4: Yeah, it's kind of a sadness. But yeah, like I said, it's, I, think, I think that's gonna be the biggest white whale of all time, just because it's like, I don't think anybody in their right mind would try to roll the dice on that. Even if they do, and like, like I said, I think people are just going to either snipe it at the beep store or, you know, come after whoever buys it and try to, like, tell them not to dump it or something.
1: Yeah, th- that, I'm not sure what will happen when it appears again. It'll appear again. It's going to happen. It's just I don't know what will happen. Um, and then the other situation, let's see. the other, For the CD-based stuff, really, the Korea releases and variants are all that's remaining. Um, for GD ROMs, it's the it's the same thing. It's the basically a lot of the demonstration software. Really, but there's a, there's a dude that buys. There's like two three guys that buy um Dreamcast GD ROMs. So if they appear, hopefully they can grab them. Like they're they, like these guys are like actual collectors that'll dump them. They're good dudes. Um. What is the other thing I wanted to mention? Oh yeah, a PS2 set is done. The MSX VHD games, those are um, th- those obviously are not dumped, but everything is moving in the correct direction to get a working setup to dump them and it will use the Domesday duplicator to dump them. That is going to happen.
2: Actually, something interesting I learned recently. Apparently, the Jaguar has a VR headset. And there are games that work with the headset. I didn't think that piece of shit uh, lasted long enough to have a VR headset, but here we are.
1: I didn't know that either. Um, I'm trying to... Think of the other stuff I haven't that we talked about. Just to summarize, oh, scanning. Um, I know. I think gaming Alexandria. He's still doing because um, I know he finished PC Engine fan, and I think he's doing Famitsu right now. I don't know of the other magazines he's scanning right now. I'm not sure. Were there Were there any Saturn magazines, by the way, that came out in Japan?
4: You know, I don't know. I'd oh, know. ask. Uh, I'd have to ask Peter about that. But yeah, I'm yeah, not I'm myself.
1: Yeah, I would be interested to know if because what what you'll find, I think you know this too, what you'll find in a lot of those magazines is like interviews, potential games that were like debated coming out on that system. Like for example, FM Towns, there's there's like demo discs that like nobody really cared about that were really easy. But we had the main developer, he because he play tested every dump we did in mame and he found out that r type was um, going to come out on fm towns but it was canceled
4: dang i wonder if there's any uh, yeah, any prototype that's existing
1: uh it could exist um i know there i know there's a there's a uh, what's it, what's that sh- side scroller it's like shooting point or something it's like you're sideways shooting not like a tr- traditional shmup um, a that has a, has a prototype floppy. Yeah, yeah, it's like a sideways shooter. It was also on Neo Geo. Um, there's a prototype floppy oh, floating around it. Yeah, Viewpoint. Yes, that one. Uh, viewpoint has a prototype floppy for towns floating around. No one dumped it. Um, but yeah, um, those are, yeah, this is a pretty good summary of everything that's been brought up. Yeah, the MSX VHD stuff, uh, like I said, there were three games that were exclusive to the MSX? No. uh, VHD discs are discs that were a vinyl type disc and they degrade with every use. And the problem is that the MSX VHD games you had to have an interface card and the interface card is hoarded by collectors and there is a gentleman in Greece on the forums that has basically replicated an interface card but the interface card the eprom on board is missing one command in basic that is basically to interface the actual player the actual computer with a with a vhd player and someone very recently as in yesterday um, has, is in final talks of getting an interface cartridge to dump the EEPROM. Well, he, he's going to dump the EEPROM, give it to that guy, and then there's going to be an open-source card. Once the open-source card exists, then you can uh, install a Dome's Day and a VHD player and dump the disk. Uh, but yeah, those disks, they degrade with every... It's not like a laser disc. It literally... It's like a vinyl, dude. It degrades with every single play.
4: So it's like that one, uh, not vinyl one, the... Uh... The one that's that was by uh, I think it's RCA or something that uh, it's yeah. that really crappy v- vinyl disc uh, thing that you slide in I forgot what the name of it was if anybody knows still let me let me know
1: yeah it's one of those um, crappy analog formats that died
4: yeah you like slide the disk in and then it's like a vinyl disc that's in the cartridge thing and then that's the an angle. image
1: that's a, that's a VHD
4: VHD okay that's okay yeah yeah, yeah.
1: it's those yep So that's a VHD and there were three exclusives on the MSX, but there were, I think there was a grand total of 10 or 11 MSX VHD discs. One of them was actually like a, this is no joke, like a wedding shop play disc. Very weird. It's probably going to be the rarest thing because it's not a game. I've, I I always called it like the ga- the, the discs the discs or the software that come out for these game consoles that is not a game but is like multimedia or educational so that's going to be the stuff that would slip through the preservation cracks 100% that'll slip through the cracks um, I just call I'm just predicting it right now cuz you know think think about it when like a when a japanese person is like cleaning out their house they're going to be like oh it's a game oh i could sell it on the internet or I can go sell it to the Saruga store, but if it's like oh, some demonstration software and they're probably going to th- or educational software, no one cares about this and they'll throw it out. That's just what I predict. I have no idea if it's true. I'm just assuming.
4: No, it makes sense. And it's like it's. I mean, the only people would pay for it are like people that know what it was versus you know, it's probably sitting there like on a shelf in like some sort of a hard off or something, just like like rotten away. Literally, like yeah, dollar bin. Yeah, It's like something that's worth thousands of dollars that some people on, on Yahoo in Japan or something.
1: Actually, um, just a side rant, but a lot of... Uh, um, I'm pretty sure you've noticed this too, Patrick, but like in the past five, really the past five years, there have been so many people that make like retro game hunting video in Japan. And then... That that's what drives the price. This is why, like, you can't go to Hard Offs anymore or any recycle stores in Japan anymore and or find them. in
4: Akihabara, period.
1: Yeah, Akihabara, you can't go there anymore. Like, like you, there's, it's just no, there's no point.
4: It's a tourist trap, essentially.
1: Yeah, like you, you'll pay like how much? How much are how much you're gonna pay for? Oh yeah, you're gonna pay like th- Like what, hundred and twenty dollars for a DMG Game Boy? <laughs> like. like <laughs> And it's got dead pixel on the screen. Um, Oh, and then the other thing is what
4: the.
1: Oh yeah, they will uh, to make a YouTube video. Um, Oh, and then the other thing to mention is that the Dojin discs, um, the Dojin discs for 68K. uh, There's like one or two people buying the Dojin games um, on the 68K, but really the 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 focus from those guys um, is really the retail games and getting flux dumps for the floppy discs. That's really the big, big, big focus.
3: Well, I was going to say that.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We know who's we know who's buying it. I don't want to mention their names, but yeah, we know who they are.
3: I would just want to make clear that uh, I am actively actively involved as well with it, and also I got like few users that, of course, they don't wish to be mentioned as, at all. That are working close with me, so we are joining all people that were like doing it separately. I I am trying to bridge it and just connect all of those together so they can buy them together instead of buying the same game over and over and over without even knowing what they've done or not. That's the other thing I wanted to say. And now for real, I'm out because I need to get home and rest a bit. It's 7 a.m. here. I got you.
4: Have a good night, my dude. It's nice meeting you, my dude,
3: too. Yeah, Coming here. And most important... Remember that preservation doesn't have an end. It's not gonna end, and no matter much you're gonna you're gonna end it. It's not gonna end because there's gonna be someone saying, "Yeah, but you didn't do this like flyer of of this game," and they're gonna be like, ah, "You know what? Do it yourself." <laughs> For everything else, as you know, Mastercard. Well, nice to meet you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but uh... and I wish that you have a, a great day there.
4: Great day. Have a good night, my dude.
3: No, good morning. Yeah, oh, good morning to
4: you. Yeah. yeah, have a good night to you. to me. Good night. Good morning to you.
3: Yeah. Have a good morning and thanks to you for always hosting all these spacious spaces for us. Thank you. Exactly. Thank you very much.
1: Mate, uh, um, I think that was everything. But uh, but usually, um, just one more thing. Usually, like. Me and Rock Lee are like super well connected with like everyone doing active preservation. Um, Like, usually, what's what's good about that is when you join guys that are active in preservation, is that if you're, if something magical appears on Yahoo or eBay, you know, you can cross coordinate like, you know, not to bid against each other. That's the big thing. That's the biggest thing is like, you don't want to like, oh, I'm buying like this, like, rare fucking saturn title or rare pc engine demo disc and then it turns out you're bidding against another person doing the same thing
4: just don't be like frank stefaldi and post it on on uh, twitter
1: that guy oh my gosh that guy uh oh. i mean Lo- love the
4: dude he's a nice dude but yeah i thought that was really funny It's like oh, uh, maybe not do that
1: yeah, it's like, man, don't, my man, don't do, <laughs> you don't want to advertise that. He He's done a lot of good stuff, but like, yeah, like, don't do that. Um, yeah, but I do, though,
4: I do have one thing that might be unscanned. Uh, I got a, a a flyer for Monica's Castle that I think I might need to scan, but I'm not sure if that's already been done yet or not, because I know that Sega Steve has one, but if it hasn't, I can put it through a scanner and put it on a plate or something like that.
1: Yeah, but yeah scans um on this is the last thing i'm going to mention i'll probably close the space because i'm just trying to like wrap everything up over the last like three four hours um scans are obviously like subjective um and really um really the dpi suggests uh, subjective i scan in 1200 dpi and it takes my scanner 15 minutes like and it's a ginormous flatbed um Scans just take a long time. They suck, but that they're really good for catching like ring codes, and they're on CDs, and they're really good at catching, um really the full scan of like a booklet. So then you don't get screwed over on like reproductions, <laughs> like people selling repros and stuff.
4: Exactly, um, uh, flipping you a fake one.
1: Yeah, like like I know Fen- Fenris mentioned earlier. He has a, I, I think the game is Sapphire for PC Engine, and. He knows it's a repro. It is a repro, and he bought it knowing that, which is fine. Um, but there's just no indication that it's a repro on the disk or the packaging, which is like concerning.
4: Is that the PC Engine Masterworks or whatever it's called?
1: Um, I th- Is that, Fenris, is that where you got it? I can't remember. So this is from PCE
2: Works, and it's actually yeah, that's part nice. of it. It's part of a three-pack called PC Engine Memories Quintessential Works. So this three-pack is um, Space Fantasy Zone, which, if I I could be wrong, I think this game was unreleased. Um, at the very least, it wasn't released here. Um, Ginga Fu- uh, Fukai Densetsu Sapphire, which is the sought-after yeah. title. And the third game is Rockman. Yeah. uh, One of these things is not like the other. Um, But the uh, Sapphire disc in particular, it's like, unless you know what you're looking for, this can easily pass off as legit. And it's kind of terrifying how close to uh, legit it looks.
4: Yeah, it's really scary, those PC Engine Works guys. And it's just, they got, like, a real, kind of not, like, the uh, best support, unfortunately. Side note, they they, the PC
1: Engine stuff. Works guys. The, the PC Engine Works guys, they've made, um, I mentioned this earlier, is they they own a prize disc. I think you know this, Patrick. Like, there were prize discs for PC Engine, like, 20 presses or 15 presses per disc that exist. And PC Engine Works re-released one of those prize discs, so they own one, is what that means. Like it's just kind of annoying. I mean, I mean, I guess it's good that like at least a copy can be dumped, but I don't know. I, I I've never really liked them too much. Uh, but yeah, I think I've summarized everything. Um, I don't know if do, do, Fenris, did I miss anything or no? No, that's about it. Okay, I think I'm going to close the space because it's like getting really late. <laughs> and uh, but that, I just wanted to go over like the big key topics. Um, and I know like the, because this now, if I <laughs> had a like retro gaming and modding chat, there would be like twenty people in the chat at all times, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, I guess preservation, uh, not, not as many people as I thought would be interested in preservation, but that's fine. Um, last, last time it I did it. We have, we have low
4: views on Shiro today, so it might be. The last,
1: um, Last time I did like an open preservation discussion I was in the it was last year in the gaming alexandria discord and we had like a really good discussion with everybody actually um but I but I coordinated that to be um I don't know if it was the evening or not but I think I I think I changed it to where oh no I think I did it like saturday morning or sunday morning because I wanted people in Europe to be in to be in the chat cuz I didn't want to do it like Friday night or Saturday night, because then a lot of people in Europe won't be able to jump in. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to close the chat now. Thanks for coming, guys.
0: Later.